The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcast, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcast, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be answering your questions and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Make sure you check out our Pressing Tea store, PressingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode of Keeping It Strong style is brought to you by NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. All right, young boy, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you, man? Doing pretty good, man. It's uh a little sad with uh, you know no live events this week, but we still have a lot to talk about. We do. We've got a lot to talk about. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, we got to talk about the match of the month and the wrestler of the month for February. So nice kicking it off at the start of the show, so we know where it is. We'll yeah, find it later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it is uh, officially. Uh, March 2nd, so we're in March, so we've got to talk about what happened in February. Dude, you you told me that we had to do the wrestler and the match of the month. Usually I come prepared, but like with every all the cancellations, everything that's been going on with New Japan, I'm, I've kind of just gone into like this autopilot mode, and I've kind of like, February is like a whirlwind to me. Like I, there was all those road shows, and I'm like, what happened on those road shows? <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was a lot. It yeah. seems like forever ago. And then like very sneakily, you know, New Beginning, um, Osaka, Sapporo, those shows happen at the beginning of February as well. Those kind of seem like they've happened in January. <laughs> right. So uh, why don't you tell us who our wrestler of the month is? Well, uh, without any further ado, the February 2020 wrestler of the month is none other than the dragon, Shingo Takagi. Yeah, Shingo had a great month. 
you know, two never title matches, winning the title from Hiroki Goto and then defending against Tomohiro Ishii, defended the never six-man titles as well. Not only that, but just being like a, uh, you know, kind of the shining standout star in all the multi-man matches that he was in all throughout the tour, you know, just different, like, teases of feuds down the line, different, like, challengers, challenges, and him kind of mixing it up with some of the the bigger names that are out there. I mean, Shingo was kind of like the highlight of this month. And beyond that, the two big title matches he had with uh, Goto and Ishii were two of the better matches of the entire month. So when you and then not only that, but like winning the title, defending the the never six man belts, you know, winning the the never belt, which is his first singles run uh, with the, with the championship in New Japan. So he's had just a, an all around standout month. Uh, which is no surprise to anybody. And, um, yeah, it, it's got to be Shingo. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, Shingo, incredible month, wrestler of the month for February. And then for our match of the month, this was a nail-biter very close. It came down to two matches. It came down to Zack Sabre Jr. versus Will Ospreay for the Rev Pro title from New Beginning in Sapporo. And it came down to the winner that we chose for the match of the month for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, Hiromu Takahashi versus Ryu Lee. Uh, Both of these matches were incredible. I rated them both at 4.75. Literally, this could have gone either way. But for me, I liked Ryu Lee and Hiromu just a a smidge better than Sabre and Ospreay. Yeah, you know what's funny is both of these matches, while still critically acclaimed, were pretty divisive um, because there didn't seem to be a general consensus on either match. Like, they're both praised, uh, don't get me wrong, but it seemed like um, a lot of people preferred the Rev Pro match that Sabre and Osprey had, you know, the next week as opposed to the one that they had at New Beginning in Sapporo. I was not in that camp. Uh, to be honest with you, I thought I thought the match in Rev Pro was very good, but not great. Right, I I was in the same camp as you. I mean, I went four point five on the Rev Pro mm-hmm. match. I would have gone even lower. I, I would have gone like four four and a quarter. I thought I thought that the overall match was good. I thought the the ending was incredible, but the bulk of the match didn't really land with me. I also think that as great as the crowd and the moment and the audience was, and even the commentary that um, production. Man, that production was so, so bad. And, like, it's not like RevPro has the highest end of production values out there. I mean, they're, they're good for an indie, but I've been watching them for a long time, and I, that's literally one of the worst shot matches I've, I've seen in the last four or five years. Yeah, the camera work was horrible. The audio... It's not usually that bad. ...was super loud. The lighting wasn't that great. There was a lot of stuff going on to kind of hurt the match with the production. Yeah, but it wasn't just the production. It was the actual style of the match. Uh, I think it was because with Osprey winning and the story that they're telling, it was a much more uh, heat-heavy heat match for uh, for Sabre, uh, with Sabre putting Osprey in a lot of uh, dangerous positions and you know teasing the submissions. There's a lot of great callbacks. It was a well-told story and a great moment, and I'm not knocking the match, but it just didn't land for me. Whereas like Sabre-Osprey, to me... From bell to bell was completely almost a perfect match. The support, the Sapporo match. Yes, like everything about it landed for me. I and I actually liked it, and I, I'm not saying this confidently, but like I think, going with my gut, I think I liked it a little bit more than Hiromu and Dragon Lee. 
But again, that's hard for me to say because this is one of the best Hiromu Dragon Lee matches they've ever had. And that was a divisive match too because I saw some people that I respect their opinions who were like, this didn't land for me as high as I expected. And then I saw other people give it five stars. So, you know, right, yeah. there seemed to be kind of wide varying opinions. And, and like I said, there were a lot of people that liked the Rev Pro match better than the Sapporo match for Saber and Osprey. So either way, these were we were treated to two incredible matches. And, you know, again, Shingo had all those great matches. There's a lot of really, really good stuff in the month of February this year. But uh, I think we went with the general consensus. Hiromuli probably is just a smidge higher uh, across the board. I think you see that in cage match and uh, also on grapples. So we kind of gave Hiromu Lee the edge here, but both of these matches, you have to go out of your way to see them. They were both incredible, like just incredible. Yeah, I mean, at this point, if this was the end of the year, I think both of these matches would be match of the year contenders on our on our voting list. Well, don't say that because uh, James Boyd <laughs> will, will, will tell you if it's not you know a top five match across the world or whatever, then it's it's not a contender whereas i contend to to say that if it's you know in your top 20 top 25 we're talking about something that's worth consideration so we we got differing opinions on that that whole subject matter yeah well you know here on our awards we we narrow it down to uh 10 um the 10 10 best (laughs) matches best matches of the year and so as of right now i think two of these just in New Japan are in my top 10. You know, what's funny is like, I listen to other podcasts that are non-wrestling related and a lot of like really funny personalities and stuff. And I thought about us, I was like, you know, in real life, we're pretty funny, but like on the show, I I noticed like, we don't cut as many jokes as some of these other, like just other podcasts that like cover other subjects. And I was like, if we didn't have insidery wrestling, like references, this would be a dry ass show. <laughs> like all of our humor is completely based on like super in like regular people listen to it. They, they're like, I hear them laughing, but I don't know what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> oh man. But, uh, yeah, congratulations. Uh, um, Ryu Lee, Hiromu, Shingo, y'all the standouts this month. All L I J. Oh, all, or should I just say no, all L I. <laughs> they're not all L I J. Really is, uh, he's Ingo Bernabe. Well, here's the thing. Really is not. Dragon Lee is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing was there there were some ROH shows this weekend, and apparently Dragon Lee was wearing the Ryu Lee mask. Is there a different a difference in his mask? Well, on his the, the strap things like it's it'll normally it's like Dragon Lee. Does it know, say Ryu? Yeah, and then I didn't notice. New Japan it says Ryu. I've never noticed. So he was wearing his New Japan mask. That's, in R- that's just because his gear was dirty. <laughs> 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 he needed to. <laughs> He didn't get it, like, you know, washed and, and air-dried and everything. So he's like, ah, fuck it. I'll just get this really <laughs> mask. No one's going to notice. Right. <laughs> he came out to a freaking match at the Tokyo Dome wearing, what, what, what's he's, their faction he, called? Um, Ingramanables or La Faction. La Faction de, de Ingramanables. Yeah. And I'm like, they're like, that is not L.I.J. <laughs> he is not a member <laughs> of L.I.J. They made that very clear on Japanese commentary. Oh, man. But, yo, uh, shout out uh, last week. We had Dylan Fox on the show. I thought he did an incredible job here on the show. But, you know, as things sometimes transpire, when you have someone as, you know, wordy as me and Jeremy and Dylan, we just got we, – we dived deep into the subject matter of, you know, reviewing those shows that we saw. And it didn't leave us a lot of time to actually do the questions, which we almost always do. But I was like – we got to the point where, like, man, three hours. Like, we got to – we got to book it. How fortuitous for us that 
the big show that we were supposed to be doing this week, New Japan Cup preview, anniversary show preview, sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> and we have all these questions. So we have like a de facto super mailbag episode which works out perfectly. So something tells me the Pearl Gods were very happy <laughs> with the episode we did I last know. week with Dylan Fox. It's funny because the New Japan Cup anniversary stuff broke literally probably like 10. Oh, I, bro, I was pissed. Like 10 minutes after we recorded. Jer- Jeremy's out here mixing and editing and doing his you know technical wizardry, what he normally does. And then uh, I get a voice message from uh, Rich Lato. Shout out to Rich. And uh, Rich is like, Yo, if y'all are not done recording, they just dropped the, the anniversary show and the New Japan Cup. And I was like, fuck! <laughs> and I came out here, and Jeremy's all tired. He's, like, putting stuff together. Uh, thank you for putting everything together, by the way. No problem. But he's like, I was like, yo, they just dropped everything. Like, what are we going to do? And Jeremy's like, we'll get it next week. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of already had it scheduled for, like, next week. Because I, I figured the car was going to drop sometime Tuesday or Wednesday. And yeah. we, we'd go over, you know, we'd review the anniversary show because that was supposed to be today and then preview New Japan Cup. Well, and it, it's hard because we don't have a, we have a weekly show and it's scheduled for the same time generally every week. So sometimes we have the advantage uh, over other podcasts, including like Observer and them where like we drop some of our reviews and stuff earlier than everyone else. But then other times stuff happens midweek and everyone else is covering it. And we're like the late men. And so it's hard to kind of like schedule it out the correct way. And I like, I was like, man, like I was hoping the cup would drop before this. Cause I was like, then we don't have to spend so much time on the road two shows. Right. But it didn't drop. And then we, we, we had that great discussion last week and then, it, and then it dropped. And I was like, these fuckers literally dropped it minutes after we got done recording. Like I could not believe it. Yeah. But it worked out because the show got canceled. Yeah, because we didn't look like fools covering, given our entire predictions and brackets, <laughs> and and not 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 to disparage other podcasts that did that, but like you know, I'm I listened to a bunch of podcasts last week that were give, doing super in depth, great coverage and discussion about the New Japan Cup and about the anniversary shows, and all those shows are basically null and void, like you know, because we don't know what's happening now. Yeah, so so I feel like I feel like we're on the come up, like. The Pearl Gods have <laughs> favored us. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to cover some news first, and then we'll get into all the questions we were sent. Some of your questions related to some of the news items, so we'll ask them in between there. So, obviously, the biggest news is, you know, the New Japan events that were scheduled for March 1st to the 15th were canceled due to, um, you know, the coronavirus. The, Corona. <laughs> the uh, New Japan Prime Minister, you know, kind of put a, uh, a statement out there and kind of wanted stuff to kind of get shut down. Um, until they can get the coronavirus stuff kind of under control. So New Japan, um, you know, listened to the prime minister, shut down uh, the 1st of the 15th. So that meant the anniversary show, which was supposed to be this morning, got canceled and... Never happened before, ever in <laughs> yeah. history. My, 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 corona. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, yeah, bro, this is crazy. And then uh, New Japan Cup has been canceled through the 15th, so... Yeah, we got like two weeks with no uh, live events here on New Japan World. Or no live wrestling events on New Japan World. Yeah. uh, You know, it was very interesting because we saw what other companies were doing in response to the coronavirus. I mean, we saw what was going on. You know, people were in the stands and they were being very, you know, cautious. Like the majority, every show that we watched over the past couple weeks, the white mask Contingency just grew was and like grew. double because normally you, you see some white mask right. every once you know in between 
in the crowd, but it was like the whole crowd in Corkin had the white mask Speaking on. Speaking of which, they keep trying to tell us, over, okay, so those of you who don't know here in Tampa Bay, there have been two confirmed mm-hmm. cases of corona. Yeah. And it's people that live out in the boondocks, which that makes some people feel like good. You know, they're like, oh, those people, they live out in the middle of nowhere. That person's like, you know, in, I don't know, they're, they're in the middle of who knows where in, here in Hillsborough. I'm like, that does not make me feel good. How did they get it? Where did they get it from? Right. It, well, one person was flew in from Italy, so they kind of think they know, but the other person's like kind That's, of in isolation. Mm. And I'm like, if, if someone in isolation got it, then me working in a giant, you know, industrial building with like 12 different companies and, you know, thousands of people, I'm like, what are the chances that my building's a little Petri dish and I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna get this shit? <laughs> and they're trying to tell us out here not to wear the mask. They're like, oh, the ma- don't wear the mask because if you wear the mask, it's not going to protect you. It's only good for people who are, who are already sick. Yeah. Fuck that. I watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can't <laughs> tell me all those people in the crowd have the coronavirus. They're wearing that shit to protect themselves. They don't want us to use... Bro, conspiracy. <laughs> if we had music, we'd have a moment where we talk about like, young boys conspiracy of the week. <laughs> yeah, bro, they're worried that we're gonna run out of masks, and they're also worried that people who wear the masks will be like cause panic because uh, they'll be seen as being like someone who's infected. Which I'm telling you right now, when I go to Asheville, I'm wearing a fucking mask because it will keep people away from me mm. because they will be afraid of me. It's gonna be my gimmick. Mm. But uh, you gotta get the black one like Don Callis. Yeah, I'm gonna get. Well, I'm gonna paint mine black, but we'll get to that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're trying to tell us not to wear the masks, and I'm like, bro, it's airborne particles. You can't tell me the mask covering your nose and your mouth isn't going to protect you. They they wear the. I've I've been to Asia. I know I know about this shit. Like, they're working us, bro. <laughs> I mean, media is working us. I don't see why it would hurt to wear one. It won't. So. Also, there. Uh, did you see the um, the Jericho podcast with the two crazy conspiracy theorist guys? You always no, I, I usually skip all those. Bro, I love them. <laughs> I know so, you do. <laughs> they're so great. They're so ridiculous. Oh man, you gotta listen to that shit. It's so it's so like you know it's hilarious. But uh, yeah, man, I'm 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 like, is Mania weekend even happening? Yeah, I mean, people have been questioning, you know, if you have two outbreaks here in Tampa Bay area, will WrestleMania 36, will all of the events coming that week, you know, your DCW, um, your WrestleCon, your WWN, will all that stuff be canceled? Here's what I'll tell you. Fiend was the champion, no corona. He drops that shit to Goldberg, God gives us corona here in Tampa. You tell me that that's not a coincidence. Or you could say Fiend wins a championship, Corona starts breaking out. Oh, my out. God. <laughs> <laughs> the Jeremy, the Jeremy Donovan <laughs> conspiracy theorist hour. Oh, no, I, I, don't, I don't mess around with the conspiracy uh, theories. So. Yeah, that don't sound like a theory. That sounds like a, a provable <laughs> fact. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, show's canceled. And so we didn't really get our chance to. Well, what I was going to say before was like, you know, New Japan was the one company holding out. Everyone yeah. else was canceling their shows, running empty building shows. And New Japan, like, literally, if the reports are to be believed, I mean, think about it. They dropped the anniversary card and the New Japan Cup one day before they had to cancel everything. So that that tells me 
that the reports are true. And basically what the reports are is that they had no intentions of actually canceling the shows until like the ministry of like health, like told them like, nah, you got to shut this shit down. And then Harold Matt was like, all right, I guess, we'll, <laughs> I guess we'll shut it down. Yeah. So yeah, they shut it down and yeah, no shows. And so we never got a chance to really talk about the anniversary card or the new Japan cup. And also I don't want to, we're not going to sit here and give you an, you know, an hour breakdown of, anniversary show or the new japan cup but i will just like kind of brief thoughts on anniversary card and just kind of the new japan cup and the people who were announced and maybe where we saw it potentially going well i'll start with this first the 48th anniversary event which was supposed to be taking place today looked like shit okay i'll just say that right off the bat uh they didn't announce the card until they announced the new japan cup and the reason for that was because the majority of the show was multi-man matches literally from top to bottom until you got to the main event, which was obviously going to be Tetsuya Naito against Hiromu in a non-title match. With that being said, the reason they, that they didn't do the announcement was because most of the tag matches were teasers and preview matches for the first round of the New Japan Cup, which kind of makes sense from a logical booking standpoint. But when you look at previous anniversary shows we usually get it's usually treated as a pretty big card usually get at least like one or two other title matches or special singles matches we weren't getting that we were getting one big title this is like a conor mcgregor card like one really big drawing card and then a bunch of you know mid <laughs> yeah so just yeah real quick so the card was uh togi makabe and tomioki hanma versus suji and yumura Nagata, Tiger Mask, and Gabriel Kidd versus Zuki, Desperado, and Kanamaru. Tenzan, Kojima, Juice, and Finley. And Toa Hanare against Goto, Ishii, Yano, Yoshihashi, and Robbie Eagles. Tanahashi, Ibushi, and Taguchi versus Saber, Taichi, and Doki. Okada, Osprey, Sho, and Yo versus Shingo, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi. And then the main event, non-title, the champion, Tetsuya Naito, taking on Hiromu Takahashi. So... Giving giving a quick rundown of the uh, New Japan Cup, what kind of got announced was uh, in the first bracket, I'll, I'll call it like the A bracket. You had Makabe against Cobb, Ishii against Hanare, Yano against Owens, Colt Cabana against Bad Luck Folly. That was like the first block. Same The second block on the same side, you had Okada J. White round one, which was a big, I mean, that's, a, you know, a huge match. We've seen it. You know, uh, three three other times, always in a major spot. So that's a big one to give away first. Uh, Nagata and Suzuki kind of, like, re reigniting their longstanding rivalry uh, in the same block. Juice against Al Coughlin and uh, Coughlin and uh, Dave Finley. Against you, you, you had it right, Coughlin. Coughlin, okay. Dave Finley against Tangaloa. On the next side in the C slot, we had Tanahashi and Tai Chi, Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr., which is very interesting because you've got the battle of tag team partners. So hypothetically, you could end up with dangerous techers against each other or the golden uh, uh, aces. So very interesting there. And then on in the same side, you had uh, Nichols and Sonata and then Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi round one. Huge first round match. Huge first round match. I mean, you know, you look at that and you're getting, uh, you know, our, our match or yeah, the, the match of the year pretty much across the board, all, you know, ac across almost every single voting spectrum. So that's huge, the rematch. And then um, in the final slot, you had Tenzan, Yoshihashi, Carl Fredericks against, against Kenta, Satoshi Kojima against Evil, and Goto against Takahashi. 
And again, a 32-man bracket, second year in a row. And what was going to be really cool about this was, you know, each one of these little blocks that I mentioned um, were going to occur on one night. So like that first A slot, you were going to get all four of those matches on March 4th and then so on and so forth. So, um, you know, that, that, that was, they had a really good little schedule, like, uh, you know, made up there and this is going to take place from the 4th to the 21st and, um, you know, everything's canceled to the 15th. So yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but yeah, also, you we know, don't know. Yeah. They announced that the winner was supposed to get a double title match at Sakura Genesis, March 31st. That kind of tells you that we were, well, at least I will say that I was wrong in the whole idea that like. Naito drops that white belt. Well, you know, based on what Naito has been saying, remember he was saying right. he was only going to defend one at a time, but I guess, you know, the IWGP uh, committee wants both titles defended at once. Yeah, and it makes sense because we talked last week about the elevation of the tag titles and, you know, the same thing with, like, the U.S. belt and the uh, Never title. They're put, they're, they've moved some of their bigger stars into place with those belts and i think it's a those are placeholders while the ic belt is kind of uh, eliminated and tied into the iwgp title yeah so uh who did you have winning this thing you know what i'll be honest with you i've been saying sonata for a very very long time but this dropped late at night and i i was so pissed i was like i'm not gonna look at it and then the next day i've just been busy with work i've been busy with like my study and um, I didn't really look at it again, and then it got canceled, and then I was like, oh, okay. I've listened to some other people, but I, by the time I found out it got canceled, I didn't really even give it a second thought about who I really thought was going to win because I was like, I don't, it doesn't really make sense for me to, to dwell on it because it's not happening now. But uh, if you'd like, you can share your thoughts, and maybe if you want, we can very briefly give a condensed version of what we would have done, maybe go through who we thought would win each block and you know, the different scenarios, because I don't think it's too hard to do. Yeah, so you just want to start start with the A block and kind of work our way through it real quick? Yeah, so Makabe and Jeff Cobb, um, I, I, and keep in mind, listeners, that the New Japan Cup is rife with upsets and, you know, unexpected, you know, if, if you're, if you had been predicting this and you would put all your favorites in, in you're, you're going to be disappointed because New Japan Cup is notorious for having upsets in the first and second round and things of that nature, so... Um, keep that booking in mind, but, uh, I mean, who, I, I guess I would have gone with probably Jeff Cobb there. Yeah, I would have gone with Cobb, and then you have Ishii Tohanare, I would go with Ishii, so set up, uh, Cobb and Ishii in that Which would have been a really cool, uh, opportunity for, for Hanare in the first round, but we end up with Cobb, Ishii, which we've seen before, and then after that, you had Yano, Owens, Cabana, and Fale, which is not the best block in the world. Yeah. I mean, I love Chase, but, I mean, he's kind of slotted in there with some limited guys. And, again, you've got tag partners, kind of similar thing that we talked about on, on the other side of things. So, I mean, I guess I would probably um, – I mean, I don't know if I'm just – I think you either go Yano, Fale, or you go Owens, Cabana. Right. I know a lot of people were thinking, oh, they're going to do Yano, Yano Cabana. Cabana, which I believe they didn't do that last year. I, I can't remember, but I think they might have. Yeah, I feel like that happened last year. Like, they those both got into, like, the it, same bracket and they faced each other. I think that's how their partnership started. Last year, Chase Owens had a big upset, right? Yeah, he defeated Juice in the first round. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I Just for shits and giggles, I'll go Colt Cabana, Chase Owens. I would go Yano Fale, just because of the Yano Fale kind of history. That works, too. That's fine. So then you end up, uh, I'm getting... 
Ishii and Jeff Cobb, just because this company likes to do shit like this, I would go Jeff Cobb. Mm. I, I think I'd go Ishii. That's fine. The only thing is Ishii, they fuck him. Right. So, uh, yeah, so you, you now, yeah, so, okay, that's fine. I, I would have gone Cobb, but we can go Ishii. It's not a big deal to me. And then after that, you've got Yano and Cabana. So if you're going Ishii, what, you end up with Fale? Uh, no, I think I would go I would go Yano Ishii. Then you end up with an inter-chaos uh, match. Yeah, tag partners going against each other. Well, it's fine because well, former tag partners. It doesn't matter because whatever we book is how how it was. This is exactly how it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but at that point, you think Ishii's going to the semifinals, right? So then, yeah, I'd have Ishii beat Yano and have Ishii go to that final four. For what it's worth, I think either Fale or Cobb would have been my two favorites in this block. So then we move down to the B block. So Okada and Jay White, that huge first Jay. round match. Yeah, I would go Jay White. You know, it, it sounds crazy, but Jay makes sense just because the upsets and you know, if Okada loses, there's no chance of him even being in contention for that title. He just lost it. Jay kind of needs the big win. It makes all the sense in the world that they give Jay the screwy finish win. And plus, you know, Okada won the New Japan Cup last year. So what bigger upset than to have the New Japan Cup winner from last year be completely out in the first round? And you can imagine the the promos Jay would have cut off of that. So mm-hmm. yeah, you you go Jay. After that, you got Nagata and Suzuki. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I guess you'd probably go Suzuki, but with Jay White. I, I go Nagata. You might go Nagata. Yeah. Get a big, another upset there. After that, Juice is obviously beating Alex Coughlin, and I would probably go Tangaloa after that. See, I would go Finley, and I know there's going to be a lot of, like, inner partner matches here, and I think that's the theme they're trying to set up here. Yeah. And so I would go Finley and Juice especially since they've been having some troubles with the tag title scene, and then maybe you cause some dissension, you tease it with one of these guys beating each other. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think a lot of these potential partner matchups are pretty much just red herrings. I think Tangaloa is the next guy. Maybe that sets up a few, you know, obviously Juice and, or Finn Juice and G.O.D. have a lot of beef, so I would just go Tangaloa. And then, um, so after that, basically we think Jay White's beating Nagata. So it would wouldn't it, it would be Jay White and Nagata. That's what I said. Yeah, so Jay Jay White would beat Nagata. And then what you would put so, Juice over next? Yeah, so it would be yeah, Juice I would have Juice beat Finley, so then you get Jay White and Juice at rematch so from we Cal much, Palace. We pretty much both agree that Juice would end up being the next guy regardless. So you end up with Juice and Jay and I think Jay beats Juice. Yeah. So then yeah, so that would put Ishii and Jay White on the final four on the left side of the bracket. You know what? That's fine. I, I would have maybe gone Cobb, but Ishii makes a lot of sense as a, as a suitable uh, person for... Uh, if you're going to go Jay on that bra- bracket, Ishii does kind of make sense, so that's fine. On the o- opposite end of things, this is one that a lot of people weren't sure about. Tanahashi, Taichi, Kota Bushi, Zack Sabre, where are we on that? So for me, I think I would go... I would go... I would go Tanahashi, Sabre. And I would go Taichi Kodobushi. Mm. It, it, Tanahashi just seems it's a big win for Taichi. Um, although, you know what? My, my whole reason the, is... It's Zach in the New Japan Cup. Well, that and just the whole story I feel like they've been telling of the Golden Aces is like... Abushi is like, for whatever reason, kind of a step behind Tanahashi right now. And Tanahashi's the one that's been getting all the falls in their tag team matches. 
So Ibushi is kind of like a step behind right now. Right. So, I mean, regardless, I'm just going to say this right now. I think, I think ultimately whoever, whoever wins between, yeah, I think Zack Sabre makes sense because I think Zack, if Zack goes into the next round, I think he's being Tanahashi. Yeah, that's what I would do to solidify yeah. Dangerous Tickers getting a tag title match. So then after that, you end up with Sonata and Nichols and Osprey and Shingo. And um, that's a tough one because I, I think Sonata's for sure being Mikey Nichols. Yep, I would. Yeah, Sonata's being Nichols. And then I'm, I was going Shingo over Osprey. I would still, I would do that too. But then you end up with Shingo and Sonata inter promotion, which might be great. But yeah, so let's just do that Shingo and Sonata. Um, after that, I think uh, Yoshihashi beats Tenzon. Uh, yeah, yeah, Yoshihashi over Tenzon. And Kenta beats Carl Fredericks. Yep. And then Kojima and Evil and Goto and Takujiro. That's not a great block. Yeah, I mean, I would go Evil over Kojima so he can get the win back from the New Japan Road Tour. And you wind up with uh, him and Goto? Yeah, Goto beating Yujiro. Okay, so then... Um, if you so then Kenta is probably going to beat Yoshihashi. Yeah. Or do you think they pull an upset there? No, nah, I th- I think Kenta beats him. Okay. And so then I think Evil beats Goto. You get Kenta Evil there. You could, but also Goto and Kenta, you could do the rematch. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Mm. I think I would go Kenta Goto mm. and have Kenta win. And then we're pretty much talking about Sonata and Zack Saber in the other block. Yeah. So at that point, you're, it's coming down to, I think Sonata was going to beat Zach. Mm-hmm. So you wind up with Sonata against... Kenta. You could do that. Of course, if you made Evil go through, you could have Sonata wind up against Evil. Yeah, that's what my original booking would be. That's a possibility. Um, but I think you might end up with Sonata-Kenta. So it might be like Sonata... I think most people really thought the finish here was going to be Sonata versus Jay. And I think that that looks like what I think it was probably going to end up being. Yeah, that's probably, that was what I was predicting also, Sonata versus Jay White, which. After their match at the beginning <laughs> not very too exciting. inspiring, <laughs> yeah. but also put on the big stage. Who knows? Maybe they deliver. Maybe they shit the bed again. And then I think with with all of that, I think ultimately I was probably going to still go Sonata. I think that they laid out uh, a roadmap for him to win. Right, and it's an interesting story where you have the guy who was in the, uh, in the finals last year, but the runner-up in Sonata, and then you have the guy who lost his title to the New Japan Cup winner from last year. So, of course, you could always have Jay White win, and then you've got Jay against uh, you know Naito, Naito and they, uh, obviously the history between them is pretty well laid out. So that that's also a possibility. So I think that those are your two most likely scenarios. Yeah, but I think, you know, kind of following Hiromu, Naito, Hiromu and Naito, I think it made a lot of sense to do Naito and Sonata. Yeah, I, I don't know totally what they're doing with this whole story with the double titles or with LIJ, but, yeah, I, I could agree with you. I think that that makes sense, especially since Sonata was kind of slotted in a higher role, to arguably speaking, last year over, you know, where uh, Naito was. Yeah. Within the pecking order of the company. So, yeah, so that's our kind of quick and dirty New Japan Cup predictions of what we thought might have happened. So we have some questions here. Um, Highest Fly Flow says, with many companies canceling shows due to the corona, what do you think of Stardom's approach of running an empty Corkin show? Think New Japan could run an empty venue successfully? And um, I, thought, I thought we had a similar question as, to that as well. 
but uh-huh. we can deal with that one. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how I would feel about the whole the empty arena show. I mean, the crowds just bring an energy, and crowds elevate matches. Like, right. I'm sure, like, the matches would still be good, but just no crowd reaction to, you know, pop for the moves, pop for the stars, elevate the the whole kind of the atmosphere. I don't know how it would come off. I don't think the positives outweigh the negatives for a company like New Japan. I could see why some regional companies might do it to some extent if it's feasible for them. Um, you know, you have to keep in mind what the business goals of each company are and what their structure of bringing in income are. Uh, does this hurt New Japan? It absolutely does, it, just like it does any company that's not running shows. I do have to wonder about some of these companies that are running quote-unquote empty arena matches. It's like... Mm-hmm. What business are you doing if there's no one to sell tickets to? And well, I, I know for a lot of the stardom matches, they rearrange the card, so a lot of like less important matches were ha- happening on the empty arena show, and then they kind of pushed like the bigger title matches to whenever the next big show would be. Right, but think about this: the cost of running, say, a Cork and Hall or whatever you do with no ticket sales, how is that not a loss? Right, it is definitely. It's a huge loss, and I mean. Maybe they're doing it because if they have, like, a streaming service or, or what have you, they want to keep people interested and invested. I think for a, a big company like New Japan, it's a bad look to run an empty arena show. It just – it even if, given the circumstances, we understand why it's happening, it doesn't make sense for them to do that. Right. Um, I think they did say in the press release that all the uh, wrestlers were still getting their pay for the shows, though. I think they did say that, yeah. Which is great if that is the case. Um but, yeah, could they run an empty venue successfully? Sure, they could. But I think that New Japan has enough backing to not have to do that. And exactly. They're in a great financial position right now where, obviously, it's a loss, but they have that cushion to where they could afford just to cancel the shows. Right. So, yeah, I don't think that they would have done that, and I don't think it would have been a good idea. Um, next question from PSAN91. He says, with the events of, uh, for New Japan getting canceled – How do you think they'll reorganize the schedule? Do you think we'll get a more condensed New Japan Cup schedule or will they push it back to later like April and have some of it replace some of the Road 2 shows? Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I have no idea what they're going to do. I mean, with a 32-man bracket, it's going to be kind of hard to get it through in the remaining shows that they could potentially do. Uh, It probably would make the most sense to move it to that Dantaku tour get rid of those, turn those Road 2 shows into New Japan Cup shows and do the tournament in April, and you have the winner face Naito at uh, Dantaku. Well, that's a possibility. The other thing, too, is uh, they might just scrap the New Japan Cup entirely, and maybe at Dantaku they just end up giving us the uh, Hiromu and um, Naito match for the title. Mm. Kind of up the ante. Yeah. The other thing, too, is if they do end up running some shows down the road, it's not like they couldn't hypothetically do the New Japan Cup in two or three nights. Uh, you think about WrestleMania four, and they did a 32-man tournament in one night. Now, granted, you're not going to get the epics that you were probably hoping for with big matches like, you know, Shingo and Osprey, mm-hmm. things like that, or, you know, some of the other top-tier matches. But if they needed to do that to just facilitate completing the tournament and keeping their booking going, the workers could do that. And that might actually work out and be something that's a good idea and fun for them to do. Yeah, so you would have the 16th, the 17th, the 18th, the 20th, and the 21st, which are still left. Yeah. I mean, they could, or 
Another thing is they could condense the tournament. They could do a 16-man tournament over just a couple nights if they if they really wanted to do it that way, or an eight-man tournament, or a four-man tournament, or or not do it. They have a lot of options on their right. table. Right. Yeah. What with narrowing the tournament down, what's what's like the kayfabe reasoning to like? How would you say? How would you pick who you're eliminating? Like what reason? These, the, these individuals who are still being considered based off their records, based gotcha. off, you okay. know, the, the, stats, the, the stats. Yeah. They could call up Chris Samsa. Shout out to Chris. Yeah. What's up, Chris? And, and figure out who's the most deserving to be in the tournament, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, b- based on their placement in the company. Um, that, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to do that. But that's right. But if, if they're going to do narrow down 16, that would make the sense yeah. to, to uh, kind of get down to what they were probably going to do for the next uh, round there. Another thing they could do. Uh, you know, Gato's a master at booking. Maybe they forego it for now, but they do it later. Right. Maybe they do the New Japan Cup later in the year with this with this year's schedule all up in the air based off, you know, G1 being in the fall and then the Olympics in Tokyo. They could do it in, like, May, June, or July. Right. It's possible. Um, that that Hokkaido tour that's happening in July, they, they could potentially do it there. Yeah, so, I mean, they have options if they want to, or they could just not do it this year. I mean, it's, you know, that's a possibility. There have been years where they didn't do certain tournaments, things of that nature. There's, like, a, uh, I don't want to misquote, but I think there's, like, a two-year period where they didn't even run, like, a quote-unquote G1, mm. you know? Um, so, I mean, it's possible that they do something like that. Uh, we don't know yet. We're still waiting to hear. I don't, I don't right. know if anyone knows. Right. And so uh, Howard Chillin asked a pretty similar question to saying, with them canceling New Japan Cup over the coronavirus scare, do you envision them doing something to make up for it some way later in the year? I know the schedule makes it difficult. So, yeah, we just kind of pretty much answer that. And I don't know if they need to, like, make up for it. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not um, saying that you're saying, like, oh, they fucked up. They need to make up for it. But, like, in a way, that verbiage makes it a little bit sound like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not supposing that that's what he means. But, I mean... Do they even need to make up for it? Here's one thing I will say. I don't think that this New Japan Cup looked too inspiring to me. There was some really good first round. The first round looked awesome. And there were some interesting, fresh matchups that were going to come out of some of the probable, um, you know, decisions. Yeah. But when I kind of think about, like, the last two or three years of New Japan Cup and kind of compare some of the other round matchups. I don't know that this new Japan cup would have compared to say last year or the year before, honestly, just based on the, the positioning of everything. Yeah. I feel the first new Japan cup that we um, reviewed and previewed here on this show. What was that? 2018 new Japan cup. I loved that tournament. I feel that was a, that was a real great tournament. Everyone says last year's was the best though. I mean, last year's was a great too, but like, like that's what most people say. I don't know that I agree with it, but that's like the general, I, Everyone's like, they had the best New Japan Cup. They had the best G1. They had the best Super Juniors all in the same year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did like last year's tournament, but I really felt that that 2018 tournament was special. And you got that build of Zack Sabre tapping out everybody. There were so many cool stories in that tournament. Yeah. So, yeah, this tournament, I mean, we don't know. I mean, just based off of on paper, it didn't look look out of this world to me. Well, Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I really don't know. But um, next question from Viking Pain, he says, what's going to happen to the New Japan Cup this year? Will it be moved to a different tour? Will the brackets be condensed down to a smaller size to fit in the remaining weeks of March? And with Sakura Genesis being on March 30th, I don't think they'll have time to do the New Japan Cup 
and might just main event the show with Naito Hiromu. So he kind of mentioned the same idea I mentioned. Also, mm-hmm. Dave Meltzer recently said he thought it was foolish for Japanese wrestling companies to cancel their upcoming shows because of the coronavirus. Is old Uncle Dave starting to lose his mind, or do you guys agree with him? I Did he say that? I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, I've been listening to Observer Radio um Read the Observer. I don't remember him saying that. Unless I'm Viking a- Pain's out here slandering <laughs> Dave. I mean, I'm going I'm to I'm tweet Dave. I don't have a Twitter, <laughs> but I'm going to get one and I'm going to tweet him and I'm be like, "Yo, you should have heard what Viking Pain said." <laughs> where are we? Where are we? At 43 minutes and 57 seconds, <laughs> episode 118, keeping it strong style. Yeah, I mean, if he did say it, I I totally missed it, and I'm not I'm not calling Viking Pain a liar if he heard oh, it. Or read. <laughs> You're a liar, Viking. <laughs> No, I'm just um, playing. But yeah, so if he said that, I mean, the the prime minister is saying to shut the shows down. Like, well, I mean, I I thought some of the things New Japan had said publicly were like, where they're like, listen, if you can't attend the show due to health reasons, we'll give you a full refund. I was like, perfect. And right. If, like, if you feel sick, don't come. Don't yeah. come. Please wear a mask. We're gonna have uh, you know hand washing and sanitizing stations posted. You know. They, I was like, that's a great idea, you know. Now, I don't know how serious this is over there. We haven't really experienced it yet. It does sound like it's a big fear. I've got friends who actually work in the CDC who have kind of told me about it, and they're like, the reality is, and this is coming from them, this is not my opinion or the – what they told me is that like the, the reality is that the majority of people who are ha- – like this is definitely a bad thing, but it's not generally killing regular healthy individuals. It's killing – Chill. Well, I don't, I hate to say this, but like younger people who have like weakened immune systems and older people, like right. those are the people that are at most at risk. Which of course, and like if you do end up getting it, they just want to quarantine you so that you don't end up spreading it. But it's not necessarily any more dangerous than say like the flu. And in fact, they're saying the flu is still more dangerous. Which I had the flu this year <laughs> and recorded this show. By the way, shout out to me. <laughs> but um. You know, so I think some of the fears, I, I don't want to say they're overblown because you don't want something like this spreading and killing people, obviously. But uh, I could see both sides of it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, again, don't know how serious is there. I haven't really been following, you know, the outbreaks and how many people have it in Japan right now. But on one hand, you could see, you know, you want to be as safe as possible and you don't want to put other fans at risk. You don't want to put the wrestlers at risk of getting it. So shutting down right. the show seems like a reasonable decision. And then on the other hand, you are losing business. And if you can just have people, if they feel like they're sick, don't come and have the extra hand stations and the mask and, you know, try to make everything as cleanly as possible. Then I could see why some people might think it's ridiculous. Canceling the shows. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think every company kind of needs to do what, what's best for their business and also what's best for the talent, and the fans and just kind of keep everything in perspective. But ultimately I, and I don't even know if Dave said this. I I've been listening to observer and I haven't heard him say that maybe wrote it. I don't know. Maybe he tweeted it. You know how he likes to tweet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, ultimately like it's kind of out of everyone's control. Like, you know, when, when the country's sort of making them do it, the government, things of that nature. Uh, I think as far as the rest of this question from Viking Pain, we pretty much covered the, all those different scenarios. I would still like to see the New Japan Cup happen. Right, yeah. 
but I'm not so married to the idea. I, I understand, and this company gets leeway with me, especially considering the circumstances. If they end up not having to do it and they have to call an audible, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, they can just turn uh, Secure Genesis into a super card and just, you know, put Naito and Hiromu in the main event, like you mentioned. And, you know, you, you, put, you stack that show with some other title matches that have been teased down the line. Maybe you do... Uh, Golden Aces versus Dangerous Techers. You, um, you you do a, a never Shingo versus you know maybe Hanare or somebody of these never guys that have been stepping up to him lately, and you kind of turn Secure Genesis into a big show, and then do the New Japan Cup after Secure Genesis or layer down in the year, or like you said, maybe just not do it at all. Um, there are so many options for these guys to do with the new Japan cup and secure Genesis and stuff down the line. And you know, the, the, the schedule is so packed this year. There are so many shows that can easily tweak stuff down the line and make it work. Yeah. I think ultimately, um, you know, we like to praise Gato and talk about how great of a booker he is and everything. And don't get me wrong. He is, but this is where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> We're going to find out how good you can book. All right, so that wraps it up for that topic. So next up on the docket here, the New Japan Together Project. I would just like everyone to know right now, because I don't ever, we don't ever talk about it. A good majority of the time when we're recording this podcast, I drink a lot of water and different beverages, and I run to the bathroom, and I, you guys never know when I leave, <laughs> and I come back and I pop in. Just just that entire time, I have no clue what Jeremy was talking about, but, <laughs> but I knew what I wanted to say, and I got my shit in, as they say. Uh, so, yeah, so the NJ. We do it flawlessly. Yeah. The, uh, we NJ- never even have to like post edit, right? Like ever, hardly. Yeah, I just have my best to uh, ramble on and <laughs> just keep going, bro. I, it's because I know you can talk, so I'm just like, All right, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna let you do your thing. So yeah, the so NJPW Together Project is the kind of plan to bring content to NJPW World through March. This time period where these New Japan Cup and anniversary shows are canceled, so there's going to be interviews talk panels, and never-before-seen matches from the archives. Yes! Um, I love that. Some of the, the together, together Project content is only going to be in Japanese. Boo! <laughs> and as of right now, so today, March 3rd, there's going to be a Hiromu Takahashi versus Tetsuya Naito special interview, and then on Wednesday, March 4th, there's going to be a Hiromu Takahashi and Tetsuya Naito special talk show and there will be more stuff announced down the line. That's what's going to be a part of this NJPW Together project. Yeah, I think the fact that they're having multiple back-to-back uh, interviews and talk segments with Hiromu and Naito tells me that they had like anticipated and planned to do the, the big anniversary match, and it was kind of an important, seminal sort of thing for them. Um, and now, they're, now that they're doing this, it kind of tells me that there's probably it's a probably a good indicator that they're gonna end up doing it at Sakura Genesis, and they're probably just gonna scrap the New Japan Cup. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to see what matches they pull out the archives. Oh, me too, bro. So <laughs> that should too. be fun. Well, never before seen matches from our archives. Yeah. I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what what do they have in there that no one has seen? You know? Yeah, or maybe like obviously people seen it live, but like never. Well, most most of their like big matches have all been taped and you know made television and were you know offered and you know even though maybe there's maybe they weren't tape traded or maybe they weren't you know available on New Japan World. It's like 
they still were seen. So this is different. This is there's if they're saying that it's never before seen, maybe that's just hyperbole. But if it's stuff that's never been seen, I'm like, what do they got in there that we? What you? Or maybe never before seen on New Japan World, maybe. I hope that that's not what they. Well, it's fi- I'm fine with that. If it's just like rare stuff that they have, or stuff that needs to be put up that they haven't put up in a while, that I'm I'm fine with that too. But I'm hoping it's stuff that's like never been seen because they do have some shows, especially older ones, that like stuff made tape. But like it got cut, joined in progress, or mm. you know, lost hypothetically. So I mean, yeah, I would love that. So next up, uh, Party Marty is at work, and ROH has announced a War of the Worlds tour featuring New Japan talent, which will take place on May sixth in Buffalo, May seventh in Toronto, May 9th in Michigan, and May tenth in Villa Park, Chicago. So we've talked Do you about know what this is like. Hmm. Okay, so we talked about when Ring of Honor and New Japan were kind of having issues. New Japan started running some of their uh, arenas without them, and then the partnership kind of got shaky, and we weren't really sure. We were like, oh, they might be dropping them. And then they ran that tour here in the in the States, you know, the last month or so. Didn't do so hot. And while they were – this is how I see it. It's like a breakup. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were together – and then, like, New Japan started realizing, like, they were the A side of the of the relationship. They didn't really need R- Ring of Honor. They didn't, you know, they were able to run those shows without them. They're like, I'm out here living my best life. <laughs> what, what does this person add to my life? Right. But then they tried to go out on their own, and they found out that it's a, it's a cold, harsh world out there. Maybe they weren't so, as hot as they thought they were. And while... And while the relationship was getting bad, what was Ring of Honor doing? Improving themselves. They were improving themselves. <laughs> They were reading. They were working Self out. Self-improvement. They were eating better. They went out and got a new haircut. They got some new clothes. No, yep. Bought a new car. Lost some weight. Lost some weight. And then New Japan like looked around and like, oh, Ring of Honor's looking kind of good, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, good. I mean, they're not AEW or WWE, but they're looking kind of good right about <laughs> yeah. now. And uh, they start thinking about some of the old times. Start thinking back on... They're like, remember we used to run those tours together? <laughs> that, they used to be, remember those War of the Worlds? <laughs> <laughs> they started thinking about about the good old times. They're like, why don't we just why don't we just meet up for coffee? <laughs> <laughs> See, we we don't know what like we don't know what's been going on with them because it's all been private. Basically, it's been like they've been texting each other secretly. They've, mm. been, they've been they've been maybe they've been doing some uh, some FaceTime and you yeah, know one of them's been like liking the other's Instagram posts yep. a lot. Like, yep. oh. Yep, somebody's interested again. They're not. They're not at the point where they're taking photos and posting them publicly. Right. Right. Again, it's all in the DMs. But liking then, liking each other's stuff. But then one day you find out they're going on vacation together. They're, they're they're doing this tour, and you're like, wait, they're back together, and they act like nothing ever happened, and that's what this War of the Worlds tour is. Yeah, so we've talked about it. You know, uh, Party Marty has been working the relationship between Ring of Honor and New Japan. and Improving themselves. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the first big sign was a super card of honor, all those New Japan guys being featured there, and now we're getting uh, War of the Worlds again. So it's going to be interesting to see which New Japan guys end up on this show. Are we going to get, you know, the War of the Worlds where we got, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Kevin Owens, or are we going to get, like, uh, you know, Bear City Bruiser versus Tenzon. I'm pretty sure we're not getting Nakamura and Kevin Owens. Well, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I, something tells me that that's probably not happening. I would love it. 
I would love, and it's. I think you can watch it on uh, Honor Club. Oh, the the old match. Yeah. Have, have they have they fixed their archive yet? I haven't checked it out yet, but um, that match I know it's up on their YouTube. I when's, think. When's the right. last time you uh, booted up your Honor Club subscription? Last month when I watched the uh, Bandito Flamita against Briscoes. Aside from that, <laughs> before that, God, yeah, I can't tell you. That. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, throwing away money. Yeah, I don't. I'm on the fence on whether or not I want to renew, just because they are doing some good stuff now. But at the same time, like. I really don't have time to be watching this Ring of Honor, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the War of the Worlds tour has literally been kind of shitty the last couple of years, honestly. I mean, there were some some memorable matches, but hardly part of the canon. L- very low stakes. Like, they were pretty much at one point pretty much just sending over Dads and LIJ. And, and was, Yoshihashi. And Yoshihashi, and that was like it. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, long gone are the days when we had, like, big title matches, title changes, stuff like that. So, hopefully, with... All the positive things that have been happening with, with uh, you know, the relationship between these two companies and all the positive things that have been happening with Marty at the helm, that kind of changes. And I think that if they're smart, I'm not saying they have to give us, like, you know, obviously I'm not saying that they need to do, like, Sakura Genesis level, like, shows or, like, Wrestle Kingdom or something like that. But give us something that we can yeah. sink our teeth into. Give us, give us one, like, Ring of Honor title match with a big star, like... You know, have Suzuki wrestle Roosh or have, uh, you know, have Roosh have a title defense against somebody that matters. Somebody. Give us Ishii versus PCO. Oh, yeah. I would love that. Yeah, something like that. That would be so cool. Actually, now scrap that. Brody King versus Ishii. <clears throat> we can do that, too. That would be great. You can have Ishii against Roosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's different things. Just do something, you know, whatever it is. Make, wow us. <laughs> um. Uh. So following that, we have, um, so AEW Revolution was this past Saturday, and in the post-match presser, Tony Khan was, you know, speaking with the wrestling media and made a comment about New Japan, and Tony Khan said he's cool with talent working for New Japan when it doesn't interfere with AEW, but it hasn't been a two-way street. I don't hear from them often, but if you guys are watching this, you're welcome for all the great stuff I've done for you. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. I heard that, and I thought it was very, like, provocative, obviously. It does make me wonder, like, what the working relationship, or, like, not working, but, like, what the uh, communication slash relationship between them is at this point. But, I mean, here's the big difference. Tony Khan wouldn't be letting his people work over there if Tony Khan was trying to run shows and tours in Japan. Right. And he's not. If, If Tony Khan had a partnership with, say, Noah, he wouldn't be letting them do that. And he doesn't. And it's not the same. It's not apples to apples. And I'm not even standing up for New Japan because I love the idea of New Japan and AEW talent working together. So I'm all for that. But they have a partnership with Ring of Honor. They're trying to run shows in the U.S. They are a direct competitor with AEW in in America. And yes, Tony Khan will let them work over there when it doesn't interfere. But he's not going to let, you know, John Moxley work uh, the Mass Square Garden show or any low-level, you know, tour that New Japan or War... You you know, could you imagine if he let his dudes work, like, say, War of the Worlds? Right, yeah. It's not happening. So it's cool that he can say that, but anyone who's smart knows that it's not the same thing at all. Right. And and I don't blame Tony Khan. I really don't. Like, you know, he. but, like, New Japan and him are not in the same position. And I, 
And I think that answers the question that we got from the All Things Elite Twitter account, All Things Elite, the AEW podcast right here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. And they ask, why won't New Japan give the people what they want? Hashtag open the door. <laughs> open the forbidden portal. <laughs> the portal. The portal. I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. New Japan is trying to run a company in America. They're partnered with a company in America. And both of those companies are direct competitors with AEW. So it wouldn't make any business sense for them to to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we've had long, lengthy discussions about the the uh, All Elite Wrestling New Japan conundrum on this show multiple, multiple times. I, I don't feel like it's worth even... Aside, I get why we're talking about because of this statement, but it, you know, it's not happening. Right. And if you think about, like, the New Japan Ring of Honor relationship at first, like, obviously New Japan wasn't really running in the United States. They would send their guys over, War of the Worlds, Global Wars, uh, Best in the World, Final Battle. They would send over the big guys for those tours because they weren't really running in the U.S. Then they got hot in the U.S. and they're like, Let's do Long Beach. Oh, that went well. Let's do the Cow Pals. Let's do all these shows in the U.S. And also they're doing more shows in the U.S. So, and, and we saw a little bit of the splinter there with Ring of Honor. So it's kind of hard when, yes, New Japan's trying to, you know, create the brand here and run the United States. I, I wish we lived in a world where all three of these companies could coexist and have partnerships and work together. I wish that was a possibility. Maybe one day it will be. Who knows? We've seen stranger things happen. But right now, that's why. Right. And, and, al- and also, I'd like to say thank you, Tony Khan. You have let some pretty cool stuff happen in New Japan. Thank you for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it has been cool. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, the door will be cracked open a little bit and we'll get some more kind of cross appearances from some AEW New Japan guys. But I wouldn't, I don't know. I, the, the only thing I didn't like about it was how snarky he came off. Right, it was very, like, snarky, like. Uh, which is, like, I get it. Maybe, who knows? Because we don't know the, the whole ins and outs. Like, maybe he's, maybe he has tried to offer some olive branches and New Japan has taken advantage of it and he doesn't like that. So maybe that's why he has that sort of attitude. But he's like, you're welcome. Yeah. For, let, for all the cool stuff. I wish you guys would, uh, you know, s- Basically, he's saying, a.k.a. send me Okada. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. So then a free match of the week is the 2015 New Japan Cup match between Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito. It's up on YouTube and NJPW World. Girls of Destiny, they're going to be on the NJPW official English podcast this week. And note on Tamatonga, I know a lot of people... Um, you know, kind of threw up a red flag when they saw Tango Loa instead of Tama Tonga on the New Japan Cup bracket. Well, Tama Tonga was off the New Japan Cup tour to welcome a baby girl into the world and to finalize details for the Bullet Club beach party happening here in Tampa during the WrestleMania week. Did we talk last week about Lance Archer going officially all things late? We didn't, but I have that on in the uh, the other section in the news. That was another thing, too, the fact that he wasn't on any of the posters or listed on the New Japan Cup brackets, and then we found out why. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, last thing here in the New Japan section of the news, uh, so New Japan and Under Armour are collaborating together, so we got some official Lion Mark branded Under Armour. Doesn't Under Armour have a deal with WWE as well? I um, feel like they do. I feel like... They, I think they used to. Their WWEs would tap out right now. Oh, that's right, it's tap out. I'm, yeah. I'm confused. Okay. Um, oh, speaking of God, they're going to be working uh, the uh, 
we run this town GCW shows that we'll be covering during Mania weekend. That's right. Yeah. So, so uh, hopefully we uh, get get the hookup there. You know. Yeah, that would be great to get them. Maybe get a quick interview or you know something with those guys. So in other news, and this is a big one, guys. So June Akiyama is scheduled to guest coach at the WWE Performance Center in May. All Japan Pro Wrestling announced on Twitter this morning that Akiyama will travel to the United States to work as a guest coach at the WWE Performance Center from May 2nd, or sorry, May 12th through the 22nd. The tweet mentioned that he would also be meeting with Triple H. Yahoo Sports in Japan originally reported the story that Akiyama would be meeting with Triple H, reporting that the two have met several times last summer during WWE's tour of the country. We talked about what was going on during that tour. Mm-hmm. Akiyama is the former president of All Japan Pro Wrestling, stepping down this past October. He said at the time that he wanted to focus on his in-ring career. He now serves as the general manager of the promotion. Not only this, but Pearl Love uh, shared an article that you can find online where there was heavy, heavy speculation and about a merger with uh, WWE and All Japan that would basically produce NXT Japan. Japan yeah. Um, and there was even um, questions about this uh given to all Japan's current reigning president. And he was talking about how no final decisions have been made, but that they're so honored to be considered by such a major promotion and things of that nature. So um, I read that just before I came to record and I was like, that sounds like there's a lot of smoke to this fire. Yeah. We have a question here from Reddit user. Why did you do that? Bro thoughts on the WWE slash AJPW situation. And like we've been talking about for months now, WWE is dead set on starting NXT Japan. There had already been rumors that they're setting up their Japan Performance Center, and we've been talking about all the companies they've been trying to reach out to to have partnerships to get this thing going. And so I'll see bringing in uh, Akiyama here, All Japan Pro Wrestling is kind of, you know, looks like the number one, you know, potential partner here to get NXT Japan kicked off. And so... Of him kind of coaching, and he's going to be meeting. He's going to be in Orlando, meeting with Triple H all week, and kind of seeing how things are running the PC. I'm sure at the end of that week, they're going to make him some kind of offer to set up the same kind of model with the PC in Japan, and then have all Japan Pro Wrestling become NXT Japan. Well, that's one big thing. Um, we also have to discuss. I know you have it listed here. The news about the closing of Wrestle One. Yeah, so yeah, Wrestle 1 is um, getting ready to shut down and do their last set of shows. So, you know, there are promotions in Japan who are struggling. Not every Japanese promotion is like a New Japan Pro Wrestling where they're having, you know, their best profit years. You know, New Japan has the, you know, they're they're backed up by Bushi Road and we see Bushi Road just bought Stardom and the great things that they're already doing for Stardom and then we've seen you know, stuff with uh, DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro and uh, Noah. It's how things are going with those promotions. But there are some other kind of lower-level promotions. You know, your Russell Ones, your your Big Japan, some promotions that aren't really seeing as much success as a New Japan, uh, a stardom, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if... So last year, the story basically went that New Japan had met with several of the major companies, Dragon Gate, Noah... Stardom, those three are all confirmed specifically as three of the companies, I think Big Japan as well, that pretty much all turned down uh, offers of either collaboration, purchase, or mergers with WWE. Um, And we'd heard that they met with many other 
new or other uh, ProResu companies that they hadn't even disclosed publicly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Wrestle One was one of those companies. Now, Wrestle One is uh, unfortunately closing very shortly, and there's also speculation that they may be the company that WWE has purchased or is purchasing uh, to try and move forward with the WWE NXT thing uh, in Japan. Either way, we know that they're trying very desperately to get a foothold in this country in this country, you know, they have Kendo caution working as a, uh, performance center coach. And I mean, his, um, you know, allegiance, he was a freelancer the last couple of years, but I mean, it's no, it's no, um, secret that like he was a regular stable member and a respected, you know, roster member of all Japan pro wrestling. So there's kind of a tie in there. Also like, um, the article I was reading talked about how Jun Nakayama was, they interviewed him about like what was going on with him in WWE. And he talked about like as a kid watching the pro wrestling summit between new Japan, all Japan and WWF at the Tokyo dome in 1990. And like how like influential that was to him, quote unquote, wink, wink. And mm-hmm. like, he's just really like being very like praisatory towards WWE. And I'm like, this all sound, this is so suspect what is happening right now. And, um, the article I was reading, they basically said they're like, they're like, get ready. They're like, because Cyber Agent and Bushi Road are not the only two major players that are going to be in Japan at this point. Yeah, so it's it seems pretty imminent that this WWE All Japan Pro Wrestling merger slash partnership thing is going to happen. We are going to get NXT Japan in the future, and it's definitely going to probably have some kind of impact on New Japan. Um, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a great impact at first. Uh, you know, WWE, they're going to try and do their normal tricks of booking buildings ahead of time and trying to, you know, box people out. But I don't think they're going to have as much success in Japan like they've had here in the States and in, in the UK. This idea honestly makes me sick to my stomach. Um, not just because, I mean, WWE coming to Japan and all that, I'm not too worried about it, to be honest, for a variety of reasons. But the idea that, like, all Japan Pro Wrestling, Baba's promotion, <laughs> like the pinnacle of classic Pro Rezu, like the the purest of pure Pro Rezu, like the, the the embodiment of JWA, might become NXT Japan and have fucking yellow ropes and <laughs> and all that shit. Like I'm just like, oh, that makes me that makes me feel disgusted. That, like, the place where, like, Mizawa and Kobashi and Kawada and Jumbo and... We were just talking about Jumbo last week. Mm-hmm. And and Tenru and, you know, Stan Hansen and Terry Gordy and... <sighs> fuck. All those dudes, you know? That sucks. That idea sucks. I really don't like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, at the same time, I understand. It's not the same company. It hasn't been for a long time. It's a shell of what it was. So if it happens, I get it from a business perspective. This probably right. I'm it's sure probably it, inevitable. A great financial move for that company. I mean, who knows? I don't know how many contracted wrestlers they really have. That's one of the things. Wrestle One, pretty much, um, most of the guys they had were freelancers, and so a lot of the people that are leaving are going to be free agents and up to be resigned at other places and things of that nature. I don't know with All Japan what their situation is, but, I mean, you think about someone like uh, Miyahara, one of the best wrestlers in the world. I mean, that this might be something that could be the best thing for his career. It could also be one of the worst things for his career. You never know. Right. 
yeah, you never know how that's going to work. And yeah, I feel like with all Japan, from what I've heard and know, I feel like they probably feel they're kind of hit their plateau of what they can do with uh, Miyahara on top. And so, you know, you bring in the, the powers of uh, WWE uh, to kind of help boost things. I mean, I don't, I, I just don't know if in Japan it'll work. Right. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we're, maybe we're idiots. We don't know what we're talking about. And I'm wondering if this is going to, obviously I know they want to do NXT Japan, but I'm wondering if with all Japan, they're going to try and go the, the progress route where, all Japan, it's like, so they, they use All Japan wrestlers for NXT UK, but they're still allowed to work All Japan. They're kind of like one of their partners, like Progress is. And like um, ICW and like Evolve right. and like, uh, is OTT kind of like co-opted into that? I'm, I'm not really sure. No, I think OTT's out, which is why, um, what's his face, um, Little Balor, um, Jordan Devlin. Yeah, why had Jordan, to leave. I think that's why he had a kind of back out from there and Pre- pretty much their major partners are what they've got evolve they've got icw they've got progress. progress and that's it i think those are the main ones yeah okay yeah we you know you bring up a great point uh that's i could i just hate i hate the idea that all japan wouldn't exist anymore it that idea really sucks to me especially with like how they almost went under and then they kind of came back they were improving. I know this year hasn't been the best for them, but, like, they've been growing, and, like, I was just hoping beyond hope that something would happen, but we'll see, you yeah. know? Yeah. Things are changing very quickly there. Yeah. I'm going to be very curious to see how Japanese wrestling fans kind of react to this news, and, you know, is is there any interest in this? Like, will, will, how will they draw? Who will they attract? these shows well they're they're one of the more popular wrestling products in japan already just Mm. based off their visibility on television but that doesn't mean that and again it's in japan it's just different you know people that watch wwe don't oh i'm sure there's some crossover but like from what we understand what people tell us and and the market research is like there's not a lot of people that like love new japan and also love wwe it's kind of like over in Japan, they kind of like you pick your home base, and that's kind of what you watch. You know, same thing with a lot of these independent companies. Like, there's a home base that loves Noah. It's sort of like how there's a there's a base that loves AEW. There's a base that loves NXT and WWE and stuff like that. Sure, there's some crossover, but you can kind of see how inflammatory it is between them. That's sort of how it is over there. You know. Yeah. DDT fans aren't like necessarily clamor. You know, it, it, it's just across the board. There's so many different types of wrestling fans, and so. I don't know. We we've already seen what WWE has kind of done to the 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 UK, and it's like, did they kill the UK? In some regards, I guess you could say yes, but not actually. But when you watch that NXT UK product, as good as it is, dude, it's it's it's, it's flat. It's nothing like what Progress was. It's nothing like what RepPro was, even though and RepPro. I feel like they're picking up. They're going strong and stuff, but they're not what they were. You know, they're not mm. they're not this dream match promotion like they used to be, and neither you know progress isn't what progress was, and a lot of the companies out there are not what they were, and so things are definitely like being homogenized, or you know, you can already see the major powers kind of uh, raising up their stakes. I don't know how this is going to play out, you know, but it's a new frontier, it's a new battleground, and um, we'll see how it plays out. There was news about Great Muda though. Speaking of him in Wrestle One, um, yeah, so yeah, Great Muda, he's. Um Currently, it looks like he's going to be out of Joey Janela's Spring Break 4. 
due to a collapse in uh, no negotiations. Is he out of WrestleCon too? So this is what I know. So Game Changer Wrestling on their Twitter um, posted the statement that it it does not appear that the Mudo that Mudo will appear at the event. They wrote that they went. Oh, nuts! <laughs> they wrote that they went through their normal intermediary and reached two separate deals for Muda: one to wrestle at Spring Break, and another for both the Spring Break event and for Muda to appear at WrestleCon as a guest of GCW. Then they wrote in December they were contacted by Sonny Ono, who claimed that he would be taking over the booking matters going forward and wanted more work for Muda. Ono claimed that a vendor had made a good offer to bring Muda in for WrestleCon and would only take the spring break booking. Negotiations, negotiations fell apart when GCW told Ono that they expected any vendor who was interested in bringing Muda to share travel and lodging expenses. Ono allegedly accused GCW of preventing Muda from working, um, getting work that week, and then GCW wrote that they found out that Ono was this so-called vendor that was trying to you know double up on the payment here from the great Muda. So as Shady. of yeah, so as of right now, yeah, it seems like you know Sonny Ono is uh, was trying to scam GCW. Ono wrote on Twitter that no air reservation was ever booked or deposit was sent by this promotion, and GCW replied with a follow up tweet saying that it was a complete lie and that Ono had never given any information for Muta, and GCW did promise to try and get a replacement if Muta um, chose not to come up for the show. Huh. Well, um, we're going to be at that show, so I'm wondering who's going to be there. You know, I, I was excited. I never seen great. Well, that's not true. We saw Muda last year at the Garden Show, right? But I mean, it's a little different. Seeing him at an indie show was probably going to be fun, especially with the way those Joey Janelle Spring Break shows are. But I also was kind of I was torn because I was like, it's the Great Muda, that's fucking awesome. But then I was also like, it's the Great Muda, and he can't. He has no knees, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. You yeah. know, but. Uh, who knows? I hope this situation works itself out. Things are kind of rough WrestleMania weekend already with coronavirus. Tampa not being like the biggest destination weekend and things of that nature. Joey Janelle spring break tickets have moved well, but like, yeah. bro, I they embarrassed me this this year. I'm I'm kind of pissed because I told all every all of our friends, everyone in the Largo Loop group. Shout out to the Largo Loop group. Largo Loop. I was like, yo, we got to get these tickets. They're gonna sell so freaking fast. We're not. It's gonna be the hottest ticket. They're gonna sell it in like two minutes, and then there's still tickets available right now. And it's been months, and I'm I look like an idiot because I was like, it's the hottest ticket of WrestleMania weekend, and it's like they're not hot like that. <laughs> I, I mean, they're still gonna do well, but they're not hot like they were the last two years, yeah, three years. So yeah, I remember New Orleans. We barely got in. We barely got in, and then last year the tickets sold out like that, right? And yeah. Yeah, but we know we still have Orange Cassidy versus Minoru Suzuki confirmed. I don't care, I don't care about that. <laughs> and we have uh, Will Ospreay and Alex Shelley as confirmed talents. So we'll see. It's gonna be fun either way. Um, we did have a question though about Wrestle One promotion closing um, from Hawaiian Punch BV. With Wrestle One's future in doubt, how would you guys like New Japan to sign some of their talent? How do you how do you guys think like how do you think guys like Shitaro Ashino, Sego? Tachibana, Kasayashi, Andy Wu, Yasuki Kodama, Seiki Yoshiaku, Yoshiaka, Shuji Kondo, Manabu Soya, Daiki Anaba would do. Hypothetically, assuming they don't get picked up by other Pro companies or worse, NXT Japan. Well, Hawaiian Punch BV, let me be the first to tell you, 
I have no idea <laughs> who most of those people are. Yeah. I know who Kaz Hayashi is, and I know who Shuji Kondo is. That's about it. Uh, I do, I've do. i heard about Shitaro Oshino. I think he's, like, the top guy over there, and everyone's kind of, like, clamoring for him to go somewhere. Probably, hopefully, New Japan is kind of, like, what a lot of people are thinking. But I've never seen a match with him. And aside from that, I don't know who the rest of these guys are at all. Yeah, I have never. I don't watch Russell One. Yeah, I've never watched Russell One. Uh, I I do know Kasayashi. That's the only guy I know. I think I've seen the name Andy Wu before, but yeah, I don't know about any of these guys. Never seen any matches. Never heard anything about them really. So I mean, if they're great workers, hey, let's get them in New Japan. Let's get them somewhere. But uh, I wish we I wish we could work you and uh, give you a better answer. But we don't know these guys. Right. <laughs> I mean, we love like Pearl, but like there's only. God damn! <laughs> There's only so many. Uh, so much time in the so day. Much time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if these guys are great workers, we got shoot jobs. <laughs> yeah, well, jobs, lives. You got a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if these guys are great workers. Let's bring them in. Let's get one of them in the G one or something. Like, I'd be totally down with that if they're great. But I mean. So let's talk about the next uh, major controversy. Nick Aldis talking about the fetishizing. Of Japanese wrestling Yeah so you know he was on The Straight to Hell I guess podcast which is on Cultaholics website And Aldous revealed that one of the things that annoys him The most in pro wrestling is the Fetishizing of western Wrestling fans towards Japanese Wrestling and he said I really want to qualify this point Before I make it because I know that Clickbaiters are going to pick this up and turn it into something it's not. But I need the Western wrestling obsession with Japanese wrestling to just calm down a little bit. I've wrestled in Japan, and I love going to Japan, and I'll be honest with you, I don't love wrestling in Japan because it hurts. It's really physically taxing, and I don't get the same adrenaline rush from it because the audience don't react. It's like I'm killing myself, and it's light clapping. What I mean by this is I understand and respect that they have their own thing, and there are some guys who are phenomenal, and there are some who are some of the best ever, legends. But it works for their culture. It works for that audience. Sounds like, uh, I don't know. He said they only clap, lap, or, uh, clap light. Maybe that's just for Nick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've talked. <laughs> I hear them clap loud sometimes. Right. I've heard a lot of great reactions. And we talked about, you know, a lot of times when Gaijins come in, you know, when Cody and guys like that came in New Japan, they didn't get great reactions. Um, it's it's just I don't he, okay so he brings up some good points you know mm-hmm. for sure um, but I don't know if like calling it the fetishizing of Japanese wrestling is an accurate or um, even a responsible statement you know what I mean yeah and like uh, that sounds so derogatory. Yeah, it's a finished statement here. He says, "I'm just so over this snobby sort of misconception." That has sort of bled out into overall lexicon of modern wrestling. That somehow, if it's Japanese, it's better. Like how, like this is how this is how they do it in Japan. What I'm talking is this sort of almost fetishizing of anything that's Japanese, and somehow that makes it better. The ironic thing is, you're working the audience because most of them have never been to Japan. They've never been in a Japanese audience. They're not Japanese. They've just been co-opted to believe, oh, it's Japanese. It must be better. I better agree or everything else will think I'm stupid or everyone will think I'm not elevated enough as a wrestling fan. I'm not knowledgeable enough. It's this sort of weird, snobby sort of culture that exists now. This is disgusting sounding. Okay, like, I get what he's saying. And you know what? 
there's always some truth to some things that someone could say. Hypothetically, I'm sure there are some wrestling fans who claim, and I'm not trying. We're not the pat. We're not the type of podcast that buries the fans. <laughs> right. We're just not. But I get it. Could there be some fans who just like think that uh, because something happened in Japan, there's a mystique about it, and it's better because of the location. And because Dave Meltzer espouses it, yes, that is a real thing. But I'm sick and tired of fucking workers disrespecting the wrestling audience that pays their fucking bills. I understand that there's a lot of two-way street here. There's a lot of times where wrestling fans are disrespectful to workers. They say shit that they shouldn't say. They treat these guys who give their lives and their bodies, uh, you know, and that's in my book even worse. But when you're when you're the wrestler, you can't do that shit the the opposite way. It's fucking ridiculous, and I I don't like that. I really don't like that, especially when they're when you're generalizing the entire fucking audience and acting like we all do this, like we're not educated, like we don't have have disposable incomes and and educations, and we, we're not free-thinking. You're acting like we're a bunch of fucking hicks who don't know what right. we're watching. We're, we're a bunch of robots that are just repeating whatever we hear. Yeah, like like we can't think for ourselves or form our own opinions or use our fucking eyes and and intelligence and, and minds to look at what we're seeing and, you know, decide for ourselves what is or is not good. Now, I get it. You went to a country that has a different kind of culture, a different sort of, uh, you know, different wrestling style, wrestling style, wrestling culture. Maybe it's not for you. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, not everybody gets over everywhere. And I don't know where Nick Aldis wrestled. I, I don't have my cage match pulled up. I don't know mm-hmm. what he did, what his experience was. I'm sure it was good. I think Nick Aldis is a really good wrestler. In fact, I'm a big fan of Nick Aldis. One of my favorite wrestling memories is being at All In and watching him drop the title to Cody. It's like one of my favorite wrestling moments ever watching live. And I liked his work as Magnus. Like, I've, I like Nick Aldis. But, like, what... What really entailed him to have to go out and say that statement? Right. To me, it's like he has a chip on his shoulder because, you know, he hasn't made it to WWE. He hasn't really been in a major promotion that's on national TV. And, you know, yes, he's the NWA champion now. And, you know, NWA Power is doing its thing on YouTube. But people aren't really clamoring for Nick Aldis or talking about Nick Aldis that often unless he's doing something big. And I'm sorry. Like, you're in the NWA, man. Like, Dude, you're, you're in a promotion that should not even be existing right now. There's this thing out there, um, you know, in our group, we, we've been running a wrestling uh, Facebook fan group for, I don't know, how long now? Since 2014, I think. Yeah, so a long time. And one of the rules in our group is, like, you come you come kicking that fuck shit, we're going to rip you to bits. You know what I mean? So I get it. If there's someone who said something that's stupid or offensive – Nick, if you want to go after them, go after them. It's fine. But don't generalize the whole entire audience and act like there's this big pressing dilemma, uh, you know, this big, huge problem where people love... Like, here's the reality. Japanese wrestling fandom is a very, very niche thing. It does not pervade throughout... It's not something that's prevalent throughout the entire marketplace. It's not like it's this huge thing where every... Like, how many people do we interact with on a day-to-day basis that 
only know WWE and only know AEW. Like, the majority of wrestling fans in the States. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not like everyone loves New Japan or loves Perezu or even knows, like, most people don't know who Kento Miyahara is. You know what I mean? Right. They don't know who, like, Daisuke Sakamoto is. They, like, you know Nikko what I mean? yeah. It's it Or even Joshi. It's very, very, very rare. So, like, the people that do, generally speaking, are not people, in my experience at least, and I, I know I'm, I sound like I'm generalizing, but my experience is most of the people who talk about Japanese wrestling are very, very devout wrestling fans. Like the hardcore of the hardcore. The most hardcore of hardcore. Most of them know what the fuck they're talking about. They are longtime fans who like invest a lot of time, effort, and energy to even be a, a fan of that, to track the shit down, to watch it, to spend their time doing that. And the reality is, here's the reality. The wrestling's better. Yeah. It's just fucking better. <laughs> and like, I'm an old school fan, so I get it. When rest, like when 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 someone talks about like not needing to do all that, not needing to like kill your body to draw money and to get over and all that sort of stuff, and there's some truth to that, but you don't have to like bash an entire fan base and bash an entire like culture of wrestling fans to prove your point. Like Nick, go out there, make yourself a star, do what you're talking about, and don't worry about what we're doing. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's fucking stupid sounding. Like, it's literally, like, it, it does kind of, I didn't think it was going to piss me off this much <laughs> because I heard about it and I thought it was just, I was like, oh, that's stupid. But once you start reading that, that pissed me off. And uh, we did have Will Ospreay come out and respond to these comments. So uh, on Twitter, Will Ospreay said his 2020 New Year's resolution was not to get any trouble on Twitter. Fetishizing over Japanese wrestling, I can't comment on his experience because it's his experience. However, you will never form a connection with a crowd with one to two, one to two tours. It's committing yourself right. so the fans have an attachment to you. He said, like, I've never heard a louder reaction than when Naito won the double crown at Wrestle Kingdom. But it was a long-term story, something that came from years of hard work and commitment. But his opinion is his opinion. You can like it or not. Either way, NJBW is going to sell out MSG August 22nd. Yeah, bro. Like, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm a big fan of like free speech and people having their own opinions and everybody being able to say what they want to say. And like, that's fine. But I also like, I'm, I'm a logical person and I'm like very linear in the way I think about things. And I just can't imagine someone would be that like aggravated to say like something that sounds so stupid to me. Right. You know, if he wants to say, Hey, my experience in Japan wasn't good. I prefer to work in the States. That style is not for me. You know, NWA style is my style. Fine, but to bash the whole style, bash the fan base of, of Japanese wrestling. Well, he's just generalizing. He's, right. he's acting like people don't actually watch it and that they pretend like they do so that they don't sound stupid or or cultured. You know, it'd be me like me pretending that I'm a Puro nerd or me pretending like I'm a Joshi nerd or me pretending like I, I've seen every single Freedoms or Death, you know, like Jun Kasai Deathmatch. Like, I haven't. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and I, I'm not gonna pretend like I do. You know what I mean? But right, I mean, just like the Russell one question, we could have pretended like we knew yeah. all those guys and yet made prediction for those guys, but we're honest, we don't, and that's but, just. But maybe he's discounting the fact that like the fan base of New Japan is pretty substantial. Like the numbers of this podcast and other podcasts, and you know, Google Trends and you know, the foot traffic to New Japan World would like say otherwise. Like people are watching this stuff and they're enjoying it for a reason, and it's like. 
doing so well from a financial standpoint, there's a reason that it's doing better than, like, say, the NWA. And you know what? I love the NWA. I think it's fucking great. And I think that it's filling a void that is missing in the marketplace. But conversely, the type of wrestling that's taking place in New Japan really can't be touched by anybody, AEW included, honestly. Like, it's the best wrestling that's out there. Every company kind of has its own thing that it's, it's like, going for. But, like, why? I don't know, man. Like, you're doing such great work, and you're, you know, you're making a name for yourself, and, you know, you're, you're like, forging ahead. Like, why are you so pissed just because Dave Meltzer's not giving you five stars on your matches? <laughs> That's what this That's is really exactly about. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, he's not getting them stars. You're not getting stars, so you're pissed at the fans who happen to like a, a style that's superior to the one that is in the States? Like, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. Well, I think we spent enough time <laughs> on this topic. Let's. This is supposed to be a happy show. <laughs> Let's move on to some other news items so we can get to the mailbag questions. So, Lance Archer... Officially signed with All Elite Wrestling. He will be making his debut this Wednesday. We also have Cole Cabana signing with AEW. What do you think about these two signings? I'm sad about Lance going. I'm not surprised about Colt going. Um, but we knew the the Lance thing we knew was inevitable. I am sad about it. But you know what? Hats off to him. It's probably the best career move he can make at this point in time, given all the different... Uh, you know, dilemmas that are there, like with his health, his age, and the fact that he lives in the States and all the benefits that AEW, like, kind of offers him. I was hoping or kind of suspecting that he might make a appearance during uh, the Revolution pay-per-view. He didn't. But, um, I mean, I'll probably be tuning in Wednesday to see what happens. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how they're going to use um, Lance Archer. And I'm kind of hoping that Archer might have worked out a deal where he can still work New Japan. I don't think so. They haven't said anything about it. Right. They haven't said anything, but I'm wondering, you know, he's making his debut. Maybe he's a worker. He's going to spend some time in AEW first, and when you least expect it, he pops back up maybe in G1 or something. Not, not saying cool. that that will happen, but I hope that's happened. Either way, I, I watch AEW every week. I watch the pay-per-view, so I will still get to see Lance Archer, and I'm excited for him. You know, he had a hell of a year last year. Like you mentioned, he does live in, you know, Dallas, Texas, here in the States. That's, you know, he wants to travel to another country. He can be here in the U.S., easier I, trips home. I hope he's he's making that bag. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Yeah, multi-year deal. So, But here's the thing with Archer is, like, um, you know, there are a lot of big muscly dudes that are like showing up here in short term you know jeff cobb is probably like ripe for signing very soon you know i think they're signing what brian cage there was a rumor that cage was signing or had signed already luke harper is on the horizon so it's like uh archer you need to show these dudes like why you're the best big man in wrestling right now like go out there and fucking make a name for yourself make that money you know who knows maybe you could be a champion i don't know yeah but uh you know Fuck up Wardlow, <laughs> <laughs> and like you like you mentioned, uh, Coco Banda, no surprise there. Obviously, he's great friends with the Young Bucks and a lot of the guys in AEW. Wrestling Tees is you know the T-shirt vendor for AEW, and he has a, a, a ownership or stake in Wrestling Tees. So all that whole connection totally makes sense, and I think Colt totally will fit in that AEW kind of culture and roster and. It seems like he might still be able to do some freelance stuff. He's still in NWA, and I'm guessing. I was was wondering about. I was like, is he? If they do a New Japan Cup, is he get to stay in it? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what's going on. But um, the big news coming out of uh, Revolution, John Moxley, who is the current reigning New Japan Pro Wrestling 
U.S. heavyweight champion. He won the big one. He won the AW World Heavyweight Championship, defeating Le Champion, Le Champion, Chris Jericho, in yeah. a great match. Yeah, great main event, great match there. Yeah, so. Although I like the Suzuki Moxley match better than Jericho and Mox. I do also. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, we had a question here from Reddit user Viking Pain. With Moxley winning the AEW title, do you guys think AEW would have more of a say in how he's booked in New Japan? I remember while he was Dragon Gate champion, Pac refused to lose matches and was, and I was wondering if Moxley will do the same as AEW champion. If that's the case, then how will New Japan book the U.S. title going forward? Will they just strip him of the U.S. title again to avoid politics? Possibly. I, that's a real situation I could see developing. The other thing, too, is, like, we don't know how long his title reign in AEW is really going to be. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be, like, a transitional sort of situation, but what if, hypothetically, both companies have long-term plans for him as champion in both companies? Right. Then there's no dilemma. Right. On the flip side, I have this feeling that AEW is going to ignore anything New Japan's doing. And New Japan's going to pretty much ignore anything AEW is doing. And what it really comes down to is what Mox decides is going he's going to do. I know that's kind of different from what most people are sort of used to when they're um, considering, like, booking decisions and how wrestling runs. But, like, in this instance, John Moxley reminds me a lot of, like, Bruiser Brody, Terry Funk, guys from the Stan Hansen. Guys who from were from, like, the States who kind of had to, like, agree to do business because it was sort of the Wild West. And I'm just wondering, like, John Moxley has to kind of decide whether or not he's going to... And he's shown in willing, a, a willingness to do business. Look at the G1, obviously. But um, I don't think it means he won't necessarily drop the title, but it's got to be the right situation, the right moment, the right booking, you know. There is a good chance he might not do it while he's AW champion, though. That is a possibility. Right. I mean, obviously, like you said, it's going to be down to Mox, but I think he knows as the AEW world champion, he is going to have to protect himself and protect that title, knowing that you know, this, both companies have kind of a, a shared audience somewhat. So That is true. I, I think he will be selective on who he's in the ring with and who he loses to. I mean... He's been in the in the U.S. title picture with some big names, so maybe you have a, a bigger name guy, maybe like a I don't know like a Kota Ibushi or a Tanahashi, beat him for the U.S. title at some point. I'm not advocating for this, but there are ways he could lose the title, quote unquote, without losing the title. You're guessing like a triple threat kind of th- situation. They could do a triple threat or a four way. He could get DQ'd. He could get counted out. You know what I mean? These are things that in Japan, the title changed his hands off of. He could also stop doing dates in New Japan and maybe he's unable to defend the title in a certain amount of time and he gets stripped of the title again, which if that's the case, it kind of makes you wonder, like, what was the whole booking idea? I have to wonder, though, you know, um, I, I John has shown a real, like, willingness to do business in Japan and he has a desire to continue to work on the big stage there. So I'm not thinking he's going to do anything. This is just my feeling. I don't think he's going to do anything to like screw new Japan because he kind of knows his bread is butter there. Um, I know that like 
his main priority is obviously AEW, but he looks like he wants to keep working New Japan for yeah, a long time. Yeah, I feel time. like he loves uh, working in Japan and that style and that crowd. So, Did like, you see Renee's statements? Um, from what, the Lillian Garcia interview? I don't know what interview it was, but it's, like, all over the internet, and she was talking about how, like, he keeps making her watch, like, Japanese, Japanese wrestling. Yeah, it was on the Lillian, uh, <laughs> I was that today. Yeah, it keeps making, yeah, watch Japanese wrestling. Or, like, like Terry that. Funk, like, interviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, like, this is not a dude who doesn't want to work Japan. He wants to keep working Japan. So, right. who knows? And like you said, they could have a year-long title run as the U.S. champ for him. And in AEW, he can have a year-long title run, so then there's no dilemma. He drops both the belts at the same time a year from now. I mean, dude, they do their uh, title defense, or they do their um, pay-per-views quarterly over at over in AEW, so he could drop it the next pay-per-view. Yeah. It, he'll have a title, def- he'll have at least one title defense on Dynamite between now and then. I'm not saying, th- and maybe more, because I think... Uh, Jericho had like two on TV, right? Yeah, because he had the the uh, Darby Allen and the uh, was it the Scorpio Sky? Yeah, yeah. So, who knows what happens between now and then? It's like it's a it's a total possibility that he could drop the title at the next pay per view, or like who knows he could hold it for a year. We don't really know. I mean, that's kind of a good thing, and it's exciting. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I mean. Politics are always a worry when it comes to this sort of thing. I, I don't know if, like, New Japan knew that, like, AEW's going to do this, but if I was Gato, I would ignore what's going on in, in AEW and just book my show. And if I was AEW, I'd do the same thing. I don't think either show is going to, like, really acknowledge that he's a champion in the other company. Right. Too much. If they do, it's going to be very peripheral. Yeah. So final thing here, David Starr has challenged Will Ospreay for an undisputed British Heavyweight Championship match at the Epic Encounter on May 8th at York Hall. Is that official? I was trying to find out if they had officially signed the match. I couldn't find, like, a graphic or anything, but I'm assuming it'll probably... I know Osprey said he was going to be at Epic Encounter, so I'm, I'm assuming that they're probably going to finalize this thing, and it's going to be David Starr versus Osprey. Well, I think one thing that's exciting is David Starr is defending the title at Scrapper Mania against Mox. Is he? I thought it was non-title. Is it non-title? Remember, remember, I was telling you about. I know you told me that. Yeah, but I know he tweeted that uh, he told Mox to bring the AEW title because he wants to step on it like he did on the, the NXT UK title when he faced Walter. Uh, oh, did he do that? Yeah, you didn't <laughs> know about that, bro. I don't watch NXT. <laughs> like I, I, I've seen some of the matches and. Stuff like the bigger ones, but I haven't seen that match. Yeah, he, when he last time he faced Walter, he he stepped on the NXT UK title, and it was like a big uh. deal. And so he told, he told. I, him, I saw <laughs> the I saw the tweet, and I didn't know what that was. I was like, "What title is he stepping on?" Yeah, it was the NXT UK title. So he's telling Mox to bring it the AEW title because he wants to do the same thing. Okay, yeah, it's a non-title match. Yeah. So I did see. I saw people that were like speculating, like, "Oh, John Moxley's got you know this big match on the 14th against David Starr." He can't go in, you know, as champion because he's going to have to lose to David Starr. But that's another thing to think about. It's like, you know, we, we they talk like that question he asked us about, like the Pac thing. I'm like, Moxley might not be abiding by those same like quote unquote company rules. You know what I mean? Right. I don't. I don't know if he's gonna, but it is non-title. So, so he could win. Moxley could beat Just David Starr. Set up a title match and then David Starr beats him in a rematch. Oh, that's that's good. Jeremy, you should be booking, bro. I know. Somebody give me the book, man. <laughs> it's a good story. 
All right, so uh, let's do these mailbag questions. So first from also, I just want to say David Stargans will Osprey for the British title sounds awesome. They should do title versus title. Oh, that would be dope. Uh, so Muzza asks, with the retirements of Liger, Hattori, and Nakanishi all early in 2020, who is your next predicted wrestler to retire? Mine is Jado. Um, Tenzan. Yeah, I would say Tenzan should be next. Well, I don't know if he is going to be next, but he definitely should be next. Either that, or I'm going to throw a curveball and say like Narita, <laughs> a young lion that no one is expecting. Those young lions don't always make it, man. Right. It's, e- it's either going to be a dad or a lion, one or the other. Don't speak that on Red Narita, man. Oh, you know who should retire? Um, Mikey Nichols. <laughs> 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 uh, no, Hanma mm, Yeah They should do the Hanma tribute show like next month <laughs> Forget about the New Japan Cup Let's get this, <laughs> let's just do a whole month of retirement shows Hanma Mania tour <laughs> Yeah <laughs> uh, Oh god So next question from Reddit user Grunty Dog Thank you for the question, Maza <laughs> Presuming he isn't forced into retirement due to injury Do you think Tanahashi will one day bow out while he still has something in the tank Like Liger or hang on well past his prime, a la Nakanishi. Well, Tanahashi's never gonna not have a prime. He's just gonna like extend his prime forever. He's the ace of the universe. Mm. He's basically like Ric Flair. Like Ric Flair, even when he was bad, he was still pretty good. That's gonna be Tanahashi. <laughs> Gonna be like uh, what the uh, like O two to that O that O two to O eight Ric Flair run. Bro, Ric Flair and TNA was still kind of good. That that cage match with Mick Foley. Bro, the mat <laughs> the, the the false count anywhere match, the hardcore match he had with Mick Foley, like, yeah. was kind of still pretty good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I like he could go out, but like I, I've never heard Tanahashi be like, I I don't want these guys to surpass me. Like I think Tanahashi just loves wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see him kind of being in that quote-unquote Nakanishi style where it's like, man, he's been going for a long time. But like you mentioned, I feel like Tanahashi is going to adapt his style. And we've already kind of seen it, Yeah, him adapting his style to not as many high-fly flows, not as much high-flying, more submission-based, more strike-based. So I'm going to see him, I think he can just keep adapting until... I know that this sounds sad, but the most likely scenario is... Something happens and Tanahashi is forced out. Yeah, like a serious injury or something. Because he, even though he has adapted his style, he's still doing high five flows. He's still doing some pretty dangerous stuff. He's one of the smartest workers I've ever seen. He's able to have such compelling matches with such a limited like uh, move like set, you know. But um, I don't know, man. One of these days, bro, like he might just do the wrong fucking thing and then like Edge, mm. Brian. All those guys came back. I know they came back. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be one of those moments. He'll be in the middle of the ring and crying and telling us how he has to walk away. It'll be, bro, I'll, I will cry. If Tana, when, when Tanahashi retires, I'll cry hard, bro. Mm. So, next question from Reddit user Viking Pain. It looks like Will Ospreay is going to be given a big push this year with a possible feud with Naito coming up. Where do you see his ceiling at? The guys on Super Jcast think IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Do you guys agree? Why are you asking us questions about Super Jcast? On this is keeping a strong style, the ace of podcast. 
we've talked about this before. Uh, I was just joking. We love those guys. Uh, Will Ospreay is obviously like I don't know that he'll ever win the IWGP title, but it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I, I think you will. I think he's gonna, you know, step into that Kenny Omega top gaijin super worker role, and I think eventually he's gonna get that title. Boy, oh boy, how pissed are you if you're Ricochet looking at your career and looking at Ricochet's career? But I thought it was Ricochet's dream, to, you know, to be in the WWE <laughs> and, and do quick jobs to Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I thought that was that man's dream. Bro, and, I saw him put out a tweet when it it was a tweet. Uh, it was just pictures of dudes standing over him. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck. <laughs> Should have stayed, should have stayed, man. Well, he's getting paid, so it's fine. Yeah, and he's living his dream, man. Yeah, big title matches. Him and Casey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree. I think he he his ceiling is IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Yep, I I agree, and I think he could be a multi time multi time IWGP Champion. Yeah. Next question from Reddit user Wiz Factor: Can you briefly explain the four? Five generations of New Japan wrestlers What defines a generation And how do we know when one ends And another begins I don't know I know I know it's more A question in my wheelhouse I mean from what I've been Hearing on commentary they talked about it A lot during the Nakanishi retirement Tour it seems like the Generations are kind of Determined by the classes That come out of the New Japan dojo um, it is, not, but they're not necessarily not all the time, but typically the same type of guys that come out that class are kind of paired together. It is, but it's kind of very loosely defined. Honestly, the way I like to think about it is like decades, to be honest with you, because the, it's not a perfect science. And anyone who thinks it is is kind of kidding themselves. Uh, you know, the guys that came out of the 70s are like the first generation. You know, so like they're those guys would be like Ricky Choshu, Fujinami, guys of that nature. And then you had the guys that were coming out of like, and when I say the 70s, I'm talking about like they came out of the 70s, they kind of ruled through the 80s. And then like the guys that came out of the 80s kind of ruled in the 90s. So it's sort of decades based. It's not really class based the way everyone likes to pretend it is. Because if you think about it, there's classes coming out every couple of years. Right. It doesn't really work. But, you know, in the 90s, the main guys you had were like Hashimoto, Chono, uh, Muto, Hase. I guess if you want to tack him on Kensuke Sasaki, even though I kind of consider him a whole nother gen. To me, there's like six generations. Like, I'm more of a literalist, so I don't think there's like four generations or five I think there's like seven closer to that. Cause like to me, the first class is like Inoki, Sakaguchi, guys like that, you know? But it, it, it doesn't work that way. Um, going into like the third, when they say the third generation, they're talking about the guys that came after like Kensuke. So they're talking about Tenzan, Nagata, you know, Nakanishi, um, Kojima. Those were guys that came out of the late 90s and then kind of ruled through the early, all the way up to, like, the 2000s. And then after that, you have, like, Goto, Tanahashi, Tanahashi Nakamura. Nakamura, those guys. And then if you really want to talk about, like, a fifth generation, you're talking about, like, Okada's class, guys that are, like, contemporaries of his, basically. 
So, I mean, if you want to, like, put it into, like, what people are talking about, they're talking, there's basically, we're living in the fifth generation right now. But you're talking about, I like to think of it as, like I said, decades. So, guys that came out of the 70s into the 80s, that's one. Guys that came out of the 80s into the 90s, that's two. Out of the 90s into the 2000s, that's three. Out of the 2000s into the 2010s, that's four. And now we're in the 2020s. So we're like in the fifth generation right now, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. So I think, and I mean, that's the most general way you can kind of look at it. Although I, I don't really look at it that way, honestly. So next question from Reddit user DomHomie101. Is it me or does it feel like New Japan are foreshadowing a lot of interesting matches for Naito? Will these matches actually happen, or is New Japan just teasing us? The matches I am talking about are Naito versus Osprey, Naito versus Shingo, Naito versus Sonata, Naito versus Evil, and Naito versus Tanahashi. I think that they're foreshadowing all of those things, and this is not really a company that likes to not deliver on things that they foreshadow and tease. Yeah, I think a lot of these matches are are going to happen this year, next year. Um, you know, Naito, and also they're doing, like, Naito and Hiromu, and so I, I can see a lot of, you know, Naito versus LIJ members. If Sonata was going to win New Japan Cup, there's your Naito-Sonata match. Um, you know, Shingo's been talking about how he's a real double champion. You can do, you know, Naito versus Shingo based off of that. We saw the Naito-Osprey interactions. You know, Osprey's another guy that was kind of favored to win New Japan Cup or get a shot at MSG, so I can see... All, Pretty much, I can see almost all these matches happening this year. Naito and Tanahashi, they, they've been teasing that from when Tanahashi pinned him in the that tour in the Northeast. And then Naito's been saying he owes Tanahashi from that. So Then again, with some of the changes to, like, say, the New Japan Cup, some of the scheduling changes, that's going to... This question was actually asked last week. Mm-hmm. So if you asked me last week, I'd be like, yeah, I think most of these things are happening. Which is a change from how I felt before because I didn't think Naito was going to have a long title reign. Now, given some of these prospects, it seems like he probably will. But then again, it's a week later. Things have changed. Corona came in. Plans change, pal. Plans change, pal. So I don't know what's going <laughs> to happen. Uh, Dom Homie also had a non-New Japan question. He says, with WrestleMania week coming to Tampa in April, is there a lot of buzz for the upcoming Mania week in Tampa? Well, if you were asking me and Jeremy and Rich and, and James. The Largo Loop. And Dan and Jamie. And Josh number two. <laughs> and Josh number two. And Zach. And Zach. <laughs> then, yes, there's a lot of buzz and hype for it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who's the guy I added to the group? Oh, uh, Scotty. And then Scotty. <laughs> nah, Scotty's still catching up from, uh, from the 80s. Oh, my God. So we were at this FIP show uh, like a few months ago, and um, I got tanked. And I met this guy, Scotty, and he was wearing a Harlem Heat shirt, which I thought was dope. So I was like, bro, you should join our our Larger Loop group, which is like a Facebook Messenger group we have. And I added him. <laughs> and, like, the, keep in mind, this is, a, this is not like a open discussion group of, like, a bunch of, like, people. It's, like, our closest friends that we all, like, travel to shows together with. But, like, I was drunk, bro, and I, and I liked Scotty. He had a cool shirt on. <laughs> but, like, I just added him, and everyone's like, what the fuck did you do? Like, <laughs> but Scotty's cool. But, like, he hasn't really joined the group. He's kind of just there. And then, like, every now and again, 
He'll just, just like pops up. He'll just pop up and throw out some really random like thing in the group, and no one like knows how to react to it. And I I love it. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I added him. <laughs> the other day he was like he's like yeah I think he I think he messaged the wrong messenger to be honest with you because he was like he's like yeah I'm trying to catch up like he's like I'm trying to catch up I just got done with Martel and uh and uh, Tito and their feud. No, I think he was just. Being, trying to be funny Yeah I thought Because it was so because, out of left field you know, Because like Everybody was talking about Like how behind they were Like Jamie I think And Josh too Were talking about Like how behind they were On New Japan And then That's when he popped in And was like Yeah I'm behind On uh, Martel and whatever On Martel and uh, <laughs> And fucking Tito And then we started From, troll- like, from like 85 Yeah We started trolling him Like I was like I hate to break this to you But Hogan's the third man. <laughs> <laughs> I told him, I was like, I know it seems, yeah, I was like, I know it seems unimaginable now, but Sergeant Slaughter's going to turn his back on his country in 1991. <laughs> and I think, I think Rich was like, don't get too attached to the rockers. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of my favorite things that happened in the group. I wanted to keep going, but it didn't. Yeah, I thought it was going to be one of those things where like, we just like. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but yeah, I mean. What yeah, were we, t- oh. The uh, buzz. Okay, actually, Tampa's not doing so hot. Like like you said, like for us, like super smarts that live in the Tampa Bay area, we're super psyched. We have our schedules all mapped out. We're buying tickets. We're getting everything, you know, all the details, everything planned out. But there are a lot of people, you know, a lot of people we've met in New York last year that are not coming to Mania Weekend. A lot. Um, and, and, you know, with the traveling the quote unquote traveling wrestling fan, it, you know, there's a lot of um, competition out there. You've got the Jericho cruise, you've got the new Japan tours, especially this uh, mass square garden show. You've got the stuff going on in California with like PWG. Those are destination shows that people fly out. You got for. The, the quarterly AEW pay-per-views. Yeah. The, the AEW pay-per-views. People are traveling for the, even just the dynamites. dynamites. Yeah. People are traveling for those. So those are things that really like test the allegiance of wrestling fans. Plus, how many people go to like? They talk about how the numbers for like um, Wrestle Kingdom have been up. How many people went to Japan that cannot afford three months later to go to Tampa? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Plus the fact that Tampa. Now here's the weird thing. Everyone who's talking about this talks about how Tampa is not a destination like travel place, but like. I worked on the beach. I've worked at like some of the like bigger venues around here. This is definitely like a destination travel place. Dude, you go to Bush Gardens in, yeah. the, in the middle of the it's week. Crazy. It's packed with like international and foreign people. And you know what? Most of the people do is they they get travel ticket. They they go to Orlando first, mm-hmm. and then as part of their like travel package, especially European people, they get two or three days down in Clearwater or down in Tampa. And they come here as part of their holiday to Orlando. But I think most people don't know that. You know what I mean? Right. And if that's the case, too, if you've got just general wrestling fans who are not coming here for a vacation, but they're like, I'm going for wrestling, but it's not New Orleans. You know, it's not Bourbon Street. It's right. Not, you know, the big it, it, it's not yet. Yeah, not New York City. It's not New York City. Not it's the not, Big Apple. It's not L.A. It's not Chicago. To them, it might not be like that. But, like, this is a huge touristed area. I am a little surprised. I'm like, dude, there's fucking beaches everywhere. Literally paradise. Like, I'm a little surprised that people are kind of treating Tampa like it's not. Th- I don't have pride in this place. I could give a fuck about Tampa. But 
Tampa's definitely a touristed area, but they're acting like it's right, not. Right, I mean, but yeah, between the beaches, Bush Gardens, the aquarium, like... Sarasota's right over there. Clearwater's right over there. It's like the, two of the best yeah. beach and areas like you in mentioned, the country. Yeah, Orlando's, what, what, hour and a half drive from here? It's not far. Yeah. I think people think it is, but it's not far. It's, like, right over there. I dated someone for, like, eight years who lived over there. Like, you know, it's not, not a big deal at all. Yeah, I've done plenty of day trips to Orlando for stuff, so... Yeah. yeah, we go to Orlando all the time. It's it's dope over there. It's dope over here. There's Tampa's huge. So yeah, I don't know. But um if you look at the ticket sales, no. Like WrestleMania weekend's not well, doing well like they part normally of the, do. Part of the problem is we have new six groups. We have not, not not only that, we have New York ticket prices in the Tampa market. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Because so, dude, WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans. General admission for shows, you can get in 20, 30 bucks, right. 40 tops, maybe if it's like a bigger indie show. But we're getting, we're sliding through for general admission with seats. Then New York came, it's the New York market, things are a little bit pricey. You had 50, 60 bucks for general admission, and some of that was standing room only. And now that price structure is here in Tampa 50, 60 bucks general admission, standing room only. For a lot of these shows, I mean, the New Japan show, 50 bucks, standing room only. I think New Japan kind of, and they kind of get away with it a little bit because they know that they're New Japan, and they know that they're running a small enough venue to where they're going to get away with it. It's not right. It's not smart, but they're going to get away with it. But these other companies are not. They are not. <laughs> right. Like, seriously, um, that was a room. You ever seen the room? No, I have not. I'm going to make you watch The Room one of these <laughs> days so, so that you can, like, understand some of these, like, nuanced references I make on the show that you don't, like, actually re- re- respond to because you don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. But, um, yeah, like, it, it. honestly, the only shows that are, from what we understand, that are doing really well is Bloodsport, WrestleCon, and Joy Janelle Spring Break. And those and two of those shows are going head-to-head. Right. I mean, obviously, like, TakeOver. Yeah, but TakeOver numbers are down. The Hall of Fame numbers are down. The Raw after WrestleMania is down. SmackDown. SmackDown and NXT. Obviously, they never run NXT, but like all those tickets, you would think that they're higher, they're down. WrestleMania itself is down, and they've even like opened up other seats and lowered the ticket prices across the board, which is like, I knew they were going to do that, by the way. But um, yeah, Mania Weekend is not like, there's not as much buzz as you would expect, honestly. Yeah. Uh, next question from Reddit user IV5277. How long should Okada stay away from title contention? Ooh, I think I said LV earlier. I'm, I apologize, IV. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I would, at least I think it was a, it's an I. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I would say um, six months minimum if it was me booking this company, but it could be longer. But at minimum, I'd say six months. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, six months to a year. Keep the title picture a little bit fresh. Have give Naito some fresh challengers. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad if Okada was in the title picture after six months. I'm not saying put the title on him, but I wouldn't. I'd, I'd say find some stuff for him to do for six months, and then you know maybe put him back in the mix. Well, I'll say that he definitely needs to be in the title match at Wrestle Dynasty. He might need to be at Dominion. True. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So, uh, next question from Viking Pain. What are your thoughts about the recent rumors of Jushin Thunder Liger possibly going into the WWE Hall of Fame? 
What, what's it called when they would run uh, shows against the other shows? What Count, the, counter programming? Yeah. Oh, you. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Uh, also, what are your thoughts on upcoming Japanese pro wrestling Hall of Fame coming this summer, and who should be the first inductee? Do you know about this? I haven't heard anything about this. I have not heard about this either, man. Viking Pain has all these scoops that we we don't know about. Viking Pain, you want a job on a uh, social suplex? Yeah, we need we need somebody to do some like new, some news columns. Uh, but yeah, um, as far as Liger being in the Hall of Fame, and we talked about this last week, I believe in the news. Um, yeah, it's been rumored. I don't, I haven't seen like the official graphic yet of him being officially announced, but it has been heavily rumored. That Liger will be going in. I mean, I think it makes absolute sense for WWE. They treat this Hall of Fame as a, it's almost like a wrestling show of no wrestling. You, you have to have draws and um, international stars and celebrities. And, you know, Liger, he's a part of WCW history. WWE owns WCW. He had the match with Tyler Breeze at TakeOver. He's really good friends with William Regal. It makes a ton of sense to induct Liger in the WWE Hall of Fame, and that's a draw for the Hall of Fame weekend. You can get him to do some access signings and you know make some appearances that weekend as a part of WWE. So, uh, yeah, I, it, it makes total sense on WWE's end, and it's another accomplishment for Liger. So it looks like the founding members slash organizers of this, and this is as of February 21st, Tenryu, Fujinami, and Ricky Choshu. For the uh, Japanese pro wrestling. Yes. Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, it's very simple. If I was doing a Japanese wrestling Hall of Fame, my top three guys that would go in, period. First ballot off the bat, Ricky Dozen, Inoki, Giant Baba, period. Boom. Mm. And maybe if I did women, Mildred Burke goes in number one. Mm. And maybe, like, I don't know, Jaguar Yakota, Jigusig Nagayo. It would probably be like, uh, Carl Gotch, maybe. Who, who's running this Hall of Fame, is it? I don't know anything beyond that. I tried to look up the um, the interview. Um, Tokyo Sports did an interview, but I couldn't get the translation to come up. Uh, maybe you put a Mizawa, too, as well. But, I mean, like, Ricky Doze and Nainoki and Baba, maybe Gotch are, like, the and maybe Mizawa, those could be like your first ones. Luthez, also. There's a lot. Of, I mean, those are like just the people coming to the top of my mind. Yeah, so that's, a, that's a solid class right there. So yeah, I'm curious to find out more about this Japanese Hall of Fame and who's running it. Although if it was me and I was Fujinami and I was Tenryu and uh, Choshu, I'd put myself in. <laughs> those three, those three going first. <laughs> Uh, next question from Reddit user Just a Little Bear zero one. Do you feel since the advent of New Japan World, the young lions get more focus than they used to, and un- and are under more of a microscope? Yes, absolutely. So I mean, part of the reason why I don't think that the young lions are necessarily being treated any differently than the, how they used to be. The big difference is that um, it's not like the young lions were always showcased when it came to television. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the 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 shows that New Japan has always put out, for the most part, have not been live on television. They've always, even in the eighties and the nineties, they were always clipped. Um, you know, the pro, pro wrestling world returns or whatever. Um, 
And, you know, when people are tape trading and stuff, they weren't really trading a lot of tape on those young lines. So it's like there was definitely less of an emphasis on the young lines. Like there are people who knew who they were, but it's not like how it is today with like, say, Shooter and Narita and Yagi and Kitamura and like these classes. There's a lot of emphasis on them. And it's basically just due to access accessibility because of New Japan World. So, yeah, I think it puts a huge microscope on them, and it does cause them to put a lot more thought into what they're doing with them, for sure. Definitely, yeah. You got you have that New Japan World access, and you're, you're watching the whole show, so you're, you're seeing these right. guys grow and develop on the air, and definitely like, more people are watching these guys and are, are getting more invested in them and their developments. And so, yeah, definitely I would agree that they're a little bit under more of a microscope than ever before and they're getting more opportunities to be in new japan cups and best of super juniors and super j cups and tournaments like that they're getting more over like we've, we've seen like you mentioned with like shooter umino like the huge reactions he got in the uk and also that's part of you know teaming with john moxley but even like stuff like that the opportunities to mingle with those those type of stars so absolutely um, as far and I just want to touch on this. I'm sorry, I, I skipped over it. Uh, I, I want to say just a little bear. Great question. I really like that. As far as like Jushin Thunder Liger going to the WWE Hall of Fame, I think that's stupid. I get why they're doing it, and there's some arguments because people are like, "Oh, well, Fujinami went in before." It's like, yeah, but he worked for WWE. It's like uh, Liger's never worked for WWE, and it's not a real Hall of Fame. I guess I'm fine with him going in. It's not a big well, he deal. He worked NXT, pal. One time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, WWE owns WCW. I guess it's cool. Like, if he wants to, if if, if I'm, um, you know, Liger, I'm like, get that payday. Right. You know, go get C-T-C. that payday. CTC. But, like, I don't know. Like, are the, are the fans that go to the Hall of Fame even going to, like, react for Liger? Like, who's who's going to do that interview? Like that uh, acceptance speech, you know, who's gonna induct him? Is it gonna be Sonny Ono? Like I don't know. <laughs> well, well, Sonny's, uh, it might be. He's out here finessing, so he might be trying to. Actually, I think it might, could be Regal. It probably would be Regal. based on their relationship. It, it, you know what? You're absolutely right. It will be Regal. So I don't know. I think it's kind of stupid, though. I mean, the whole WWE Hall of Fame is stupid if you try to think of it as a legit Hall of Fame. You know, there's like no real wrestling Hall of Fames, though. Right. There's well, no. There's only one in Texas, it, and that's not real either. Isn't there? Maybe that's the Amateur Hall of Fame I'm thinking about. The um, Amateur Hall of Fames are real. Yeah. But, like, the one in Texas is kind of just a museum. It's not really, like, a real Hall of Fame. And all the ones that are, like, respected, like Cauliflower Alley Club and, mm-hmm. like, Observer, they don't have buildings either. They're not real. Like, they're only real because respected people in the industry actually, like, vote on them. No one knows who the fuck votes on the WWE offense. It's Vincent it's like Vin- Candy McMahon. Vince doesn't know who the fuck Liger is. Yeah, c- come on. He's, he's like, he's like, uh, bring in one of them Japanese guys. <laughs> we, we need a draw, damn it. We're going to draw. <laughs> oh, man. It's counter-programming. Yeah. But we had a question from uh, Nine Tails, spelled nine, T-A-Y-L-S. I love that. Um, he said, who's the next big single star to make a tag team akin to Golden Aces? Mm. Hmm, let's see here. Next big singles guy to go on a tag team. Well, if I was going to do, 
I mean, we can do one from each like faction, probably. Yeah. Uh, from Bullet Club, I would think. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but I think a Jay White Kenta team could you, be cool. You could. Is there any other mashups that would even sound appealing? I mean, like Fale is the next guy. Yeah, nothing but Fale sounds appealing. But I think that that's probably what they would end up doing. Right, and they kind of tease that with Jay and Fale teaming a lot on that last they could tour. They do Jay and Fale or Kenton Fale. I don't know if there's a secondary guy in that company or in that group that even really makes sense unless you do like Chase and somebody. Right. But, but then you've got a, a bona fide pin eater. You know what I mean? Um, as far as like chaos, now now we're talking. I mean, you could do Ishigoto, do Osprey and Okada. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big time heavyweight. Osprey Ishii. Yep. I mean, any any team involving Ishii, Goto, Okada, and Osprey, that's big. That's big time. Yeah. Um, Lij, Naito and Chingo. Do Hiromu and and Naito. Mm. But yeah, Shingo and and Naito is a big big time. I mean, obviously, there's always. I mean, if you if you want to talk about it, I mean, Sonata and Evil kind of is has always been two single stars just teaming up and being like a main main stage tag team. In uh, Suzuki Goon, I mean, obviously you've always had Zach and Suzuki, and then you've got Dangerous Techers. Um, with uh, what's their face is gone entirely. There's no more uh, Killer Elite Squad, so I don't know. After that, who else you could do? Those are like the top three guys. Yeah, I wouldn't do any other combos in Suzuki Goon. Is there any other um, Hontai like main guys that you might do that you can think of? Non chaos. Let's see. I mean, so they got, they got the biggest one with Tanahashi and Ibushi. I mean, Finn Fin Juice is already a team. Um, it's a bunch of the New Japan dads. Um, well, you could do Mox. Mm. Who can Mox team with? Um, to Twitter or to uh, <laughs> to um. I don't know. Wikipedia, I, I go. I, I feel like Mox should only team with Shooter. <laughs> I know. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if there's anybody that would really fit with Mox. Maybe you would have to do like some kind of an odd couple team. That's what we're doing. We're doing like. Let me see. But here. I feel like all the teams we've made kind of would work together in the same faction, and it kind of makes some sense. Uh, I don't know who. Mox could really team up with. I'm looking at all the main unit guys. There really are no more big stars. That's like it, pretty much. Unless you team him up. I mean, unless you team Mox up with, like, say, Okada. Right. Or someone from Chaos. Or, I mean, I mean could you do Mox Jeff Cobb? I thought about that. Yeah, I guess you could. You could also team him up with, like, a... A junior, like a big name junior, like Dragon Lee or something like that. But I don't yeah. know if that works. Yeah, but then you still have the pin eater. Then I think we named all the big tag teams. We did a pretty good job. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm looking scrolling through the roster. Yeah, I think we kind of nailed it. Proud of us. <laughs> uh, next question here from Alistair Gray from the Wrestling Squared Circle. 
He says, first question, given the wildly different, this is a non-New Japan question, given the wildly different responses to Super Showdown and Revolution, should we start to consider AEW to be genuine competitor to WWE rather than a, a merely an alternative? And a second question, in what ways do you envision WWE changing over the coming years in order to keep a fan base, the demands of which are being met by another company? Well, I'll say this. Um, as far as your question about AEW and WWE, you have to keep things in, in perspective. There have always been, and always probably will be, hopefully anyways, some sort of competitor that is widely more popular, or not popular, but widely more critically acclaimed, and from a critical standpoint, better than WWE. Whether it was WCW at various points, whether it was foreign companies, whether, ECW, whether it was ECW, Impact, Impact ROH. ROH. There's always something that's better than WWE because I'll, I'll tell you straight up right now, and I don't care who's listening, WWE has never in its entire history ever had the best wrestling in the country or in the world. Never. In the territories, it was never the best territory. During the Attitude Era and during the 90s and the Ruthless Aggression Era, they've never had the best wrestling in the world. They've done a lot of great things, had a lot of great characters, a lot of matches I love, but they've never had the best wrestling out there. They've never had the most, the best product that's out there. With that being said, wrestling is more than just how critically acclaimed something is. It's a business, and... AEW is no, they're nothing compared to WWE from an actual monetary standpoint, from an actual visual, how many people are watching it, how much, you know, they're just not. Now, are they genuine competition? Absolutely. But New Japan is genuine competition. All the companies out there are genuine competition with WWE. When I think when you say genuine competition, meaning could they overtake WWE? Fuck no. They're not going to overtake WWE. It's not happening now. It's not happening anytime soon. And it's probably, if I was a betting man, it's probably not ever going to happen. I mean, if it did, it would probably take a long, long time. And we, we love AEW, but like you mentioned, you got to look at the business aspect of things, how long WWE has been in business, the the global footprint you, they have, I mean, when you tell somebody that you watch wrestling, they immediately say, oh, you watch WWE. Like, there's just, there's, yes, there are issues in WWE, major issues, major problems that are definitely market-based. Um, you know, for, for more information on that, I would rec definitely recommend, like, uh, listening to, like, WrestleNomics Radio. They've got a better grasp on that sort of stuff. But, I mean, I work in the financial industry, and I, I, keep up on what's going on with WWE and like there's some definitely like there's some concerning things that are out there but regardless this is a highly highly profitable company based off of them taking advantage of a changing marketplace when it comes to television rights and it doesn't matter how good AEW is doesn't matter how good the matches are or how popular they get the market share is controlled by WWE. The the income of what they're making, it's like you really can't go... Like, 
you can't take that away. You can't take away their market share. All you can do is just be an alternative at this point. Could they eventually be something? Like, yeah, but it's it's not going to change anytime soon. In the next decade, it's probably not going to change. They'll probably, obviously, AW will probably expand, but I just don't know to Hopefully. What, what level. Yeah. I mean, WWE's been around forever, and I mean, they're as questionable as a lot of the decisions that, like, you know, Vince has made and some of these recent changes, like, this is a proven brand that is going to be around probably forever. Yeah. And and I'll tell you this. If WWE goes under, the rest of these fucking companies are going under. Because they're, they're the top dog. They're, they're, they are to the average person what wrestling is. From what... From what I know, and I know I'm not like a market analyst, but like I work in finance, and I'll tell you this: you don't want WWE to leave because when WWE leaves, everyone leaves. Yeah, every like that's bad. That that would be the worst possible scenario for the industry of wrestling. I know, like people hate WWE, especially like diehard fans, but like it would ruin the industry. It would ruin the reputation of wrestling investors would advertisers and investors would pull everything from it because WWE is wrestling in the eyes of most people who don't know what it is. That's what it is from like a business standpoint. Right. And if that goes away, then why to the the normal person, like, why am I going to invest in some secondary thing? And there's some people who are like, well, there's companies like AEW and new Japan who already have deals and other things. Nope. WWE goes out of business. They're going to, they're gonna the people that are investing in these companies and have money in them. They're gonna hedge their bets against it too. They'd pull their money. Every it 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 would be the it'd be the end of like the wrestling industry for the time being. Like it would kill wrestling. So that's that's how big of a market share WWE has. That's it would be the most catastrophic thing you could ever imagine. And then his second question: In what ways do you envision WWE changing over the coming years in order to keep a fan base? the demands of which are being met by another company. I I don't know. I'm not really going to spend much time on that question, to be honest with you, because this really is a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. That's usually what we talk about. We do discuss WWE, especially when it uh, has to do with what's going on from an international standpoint. But I don't... I couldn't tell you what WWE is going to do to deal with other stuff. Obviously, I will say this. We've seen changes... In the last year or two, given what's been going on in the changing landscape, especially with AEW, but I mean, I, I don't know what that has to do with New Japan. To be honest with you, I mean, here's the thing: as long as Vincent K. McMahon is in charge of WWE, overall changes are probably not going to be made. They'll make some tweaks, but until Vince is out of power, it's going to be the same thing. Dude, they got a huge money deal with Fox, and Fox was like. We'll sign you, but we want you to have a more sports-centered product. They're like, okay. And then they sign the deal, and they're like, we'll give you the fiend. (laughs) (laughs) He's Uh, great. (laughs) You'll love him, pal. You'll love him. (laughs) It's good shit. Look at him. He's fucking perfect. (laughs) Uh, And last question here, also a non-New Japan question. How about this? Uh, My girlfriend just got... uh, her like condo association just basically gave them like the platinum cable package. Mm-hmm. So she's been, uh, you know, spoiler alert, she's been pirating, you know, 
SmackDown and Raw for the last like decade. <laughs> but she was like, "Oh my god, I finally like can watch actually watch wrestling in like high def." And I was like, "Oh, it's perfect." So like she downloaded like the f- we don't watch we don't like actually watch like TV, you know, we cut the cord a long time ago, but like because she has cable, she has an actual like we have cable here, right? Yeah. See, I don't even watch our cable. Like I don't know what we have. But she um I told her to download the Fox app. And then, so she, like, downloaded it. She put her gimmicks in, whatever. And then um, she goes to go watch it, and she's like, I'm trying to look for it, but I can't find it under shows. And I was like, look under sports. She's like, but it's not sport. And I was like, Fox thinks it is. (laughs) (laughs) Sure enough, we look under the sports section, and there it is. And she's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Fox was trying to get some, like, New Japan-style stuff. (laughs) It's so crazy. Anyways, we had more questions. Yeah, so the last question here, it's also a non-New Japan question from Reddit user Viking Pain. He said, this, is, this isn't a New Japan topic, but did you guys see Cody's new neck tattoo? LOL, yikes. I thought it was like, I thought it was a fake. Like I thought it was I thought a temporary. Was, I thought it was temporary tattoo. I thought it was some, you know, um, Hakushi, some... <laughs> Uh, Lord Tenzai, uh, you know, some... I thought it was, like, the Ultimate Warriors, like, face paint. I thought right. it was going to come off during the match, and I was like, it's kind of going strong throughout the whole... So, anyways, um... <laughs> hey, I will say this. Here's what I will say. I don't think that the, the neck tattoo is a good look. I think that that neck tattoo is atrocious. His wife doesn't like it. The fans are even questioning it. Yada, yada, yada. But I did see a fan... Who commented on this And they brought up some good points And they were like basically saying And Keep in mind whoever I I don't remember who it was I was reading but they were like They were clearly like a Cody Mark They were like a diehard but I kind of I thought they brought some good insight and they were like You know Cody putting his Own brand on his Neck Kind of like uh, communicates a few different things. Number one, that he's all in on his brand completely. Number two, he put it on his neck because his neck is on the line. If this thing doesn't work out, he's fucked. And so it's like him saying, I'm completely, totally invested in this thing. I don't have a backup plan. It's like him burning his ships. I'm not saying that that's the smartest idea, especially if you want to have it like an acting career. And everything like that, but uh, I saw what they were kind of saying, and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm a risk taker too. Like, I kind of like respect that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the tattoo. But oh, it, it's awful. It looks yeah, terrible. Yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, it's his body. It's what he wants to do with it. His body, his decision. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, but it looks so bro. Yeah, it it, bad. it's bad. When he came out, I was hoping. Like, I hope that's like <laughs> some paint, some temporary. Bro, somebody started to go fund me to, to get, get removed. <laughs> it's like, dude, what are you doing, man? I will say this though: it only had five. Last time I checked, it only had five dollars to it. So it's not like people are willing to go out of pocket to save him from his own self, right? But uh, yeah. All right, so that's all the questions. Thank you for all the questions this week. And we're gonna wrap. Man, we we only did a cool two and a half hours on this show <laughs> with no actual right. subject, no nothing to talk about. Uh, so now we're gonna close with the recommended match of the week. So first, we'll give our thoughts on last week's recommended match of the week, which was Dylan's pick 
which was the Tanahashi versus Nakanishi match from 2006 in the uh, Corkin Hall for the IWGP Heavyweight title. What do you think about the match? You know what? I've seen this match before, and I know it's the first time that you've seen this match, right? Mm-hmm. What did you think? You know, I thought the crowd was a little bit quiet. I think throughout the match, than a normal like Corkin crowd that I'm used to, mm-hmm. and I thought the the pace of the match was a little bit slow at first, and I kind of remember myself being a little bit bored at the beginning. Then I feel like towards the middle, it kind of like picked up. Like Nakanishi had like a big like crossbody off the top. He did the plancha, which actually looked great at that time in his career, and did some kind of big moves there, and um, it kind of built up. And I felt like the crowd was kind of getting into it. As the match kind of went on, and then obviously the huge, uh, big, you know, suplex there in the fall, and he wins the title, and the crowd's kind of going wild. Yeah, I um, I think part of what you were seeing there is maybe a difference in how the crowds have kind of developed over time. Like, this was definitely, like, in 2009, a more traditional crowd, and maybe not so rabid for the product as we see today. But this was definitely a methodical Match, So I don't think it was that the crowd was too quiet. I think that they were respecting what was going on because it was, but like they popped for everything. Right. Yeah. They were popping for stuff. Um, but it's normally that cork and crowds a little bit more, you know, into it. I think what I just, I've always loved about this match is like Tanahashi realizing he can't out muscle Nakanishi. So he tries to take him off of his feet and he yeah, targets he's, he's the working legs. the legs. He had dragon screws and stuff like that, which was kind of, and to this day, that's always it's what it's what Tanahashi does. But it works in a vacuum really well because of how big, muscular, and strong Nakanishi is. And they put over him being a powerhouse in the match. You know, he's powering out of shit. And it's really the story of like Tanahashi's youth, age, and his uh, you know game plan of going after the legs versus Nakanishi's physicality, mm-hmm. and like him basically showing himself to be like a powerhouse and like. Gutting through all the shit that like Tanahashi's done. The other thing too is like how there was a story previously, like with um, I'm trying to remember, like I'm trying to remember if the Muda uh, match versus Tanahashi happened before this or not. Let me take a look because Muda and Tanahashi had a big uh, match at um, what's it called? Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But like. A lot of times people kind of like compared like Muda and Tanahashi over the years and like like uh, kind of drew parallels to one another and there was like the big passing of the torch from Muta to Tanahashi. And then, you know, you kind of look back in history and 10 years prior to this, who was it in the G1 that Nakanishi defeated for his big like G1 win? It was Muta. And then like 10 years later, he finds himself facing like the more athletic the more like dynamic version of that same person. And he's kind of, he kind of has to like, like have like lightning strike twice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think the match is great. I love it. I know it's not like the same as how we see things today, but I love that match. Yeah. I mean, it was a fine match for what it was. I mean, I didn't like fall in love with it or anything, but it was a good match. It was, it was kind of good just seeing, Nakanishi in, you know, a little bit younger and still a little bit more agile and, you know, seeing what style he had back then compared to what I'm used to in the, in the New Japan dad kind of role that he was in. 
Yeah, so I, I thought so. So Wrestle Kingdom 3 happened January 4th, 2009. So that's when um, they did the passing of the torch from Muto to Tanahashi. I knew I wasn't crazy here. And then this match happened in May. So you're talking about basically like a four or five month difference. So there there kind of was like a built-in story a bit there from like Muta being the guy that Nakanishi overcame in the past and then him passing the torch to Tanahashi and Nakanishi like kind of overcoming those odds and still able to like do the unimaginable in Cork and Hall. And like even though the, the the match wasn't the most heated of all time, like that crowd pop at the end when Nakanishi like yeah. beats him is fucking incredible. Yeah, the crowd went wild for that. Yeah. So I mean I love this. Uh it's it's the one time that Nakanishi got his crowning moment. This is a company that doesn't generally do like the obligatory like title reigns. But they did it this one time for Nakanishi, which shows you how much respect they had for him and everything of that nature. Like, I love this match. Yeah, it was a good match. And, uh, yeah, where would you have gone on this? Uh, I don't know, maybe like three and a half, maybe three, seven, five. Yeah, I'm like between three, seven, five, and like four. I might even go like four on it. Cage match has an 8.05. Okay. So, so it's mean, about, that, yeah, that four-star kind of range. Yeah. But, I mean, it depends on your taste. Right. This is a very methodical match, for sure. Like, it's not the fastest-paced match in the world. They went, like, I think, like, 21, 22 minutes, something like that. So, um, yeah. All right, and now it's your turn for this week's recommended match of the week. So, I sent you a link to one of these matches, and I'm going to have to send you a different link because it wasn't the one that I wanted to send you to. Okay. So, my recommended match of the week, and I know it – I, I picked this one out for you specifically because I know you're going to like it. Okay. And it's the New Japan Super J Cup fifth stage Land of Confusion final. The Basically, it's the uh, Super J Cup from 2009 final between Naomuchi Marafuji and Prince Devitt. Ooh, okay. And uh, this match is fucking great. And it's basically the start of a multi-match feud over the next uh, coming year between Marafuji, who was the reigning... Well, I don't know if he was holding the IWGP junior title at this point or not, but these guys basically battled all throughout 2010 for the title. Now, I will say this. This match is not on New Japan World, but you can find it very easily. It's on the internet. Uh, we, we will have the, the match in the show notes, but um, of all the matches they had, and I think they had like a four or five match series... This is widely considered to be the best match, which was the first match they had. Go figure. But um, Marafuji versus Devitt, very, 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 very good match. And, um, yeah, and I, I would say all the matches they had, especially the one on January 30th in 2010 and the one in June of 2010, those are the other two best matches. But um, I'm going to send Jeremy to the uh, 2009 Super J Cup final. Nice. I like the talent of that. You know, I love the juniors. I love uh, Devitt. Um, so, bro, fuck that. Marafuji. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it should be a very good matchup there. And uh, we'll put the link in the description for the show and I'll tweet it out too. That way you guys can easily find the match if you want to watch this week's recommended match of the week. I will not be on the show next week. Yeah. I will be in Asheville, uh, North Carolina. Yo, if you guys are in Nashville, you guys want to come out drinking with me and my girl, <laughs> let me know. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what's going to happen next week. So originally... Isn't isn't ACP out there in, in North Carolina area? 
Is he North or South Carolina? ACP, come hang out with me in Asheville, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we we can argue about New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know what's going to happen next week. So originally, I had scheduled Chris Samsa to come on the show with me next week, and we were going to review the first round of the New Japan Cup. Well, there is no New Japan Cup next week, so I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Chris will still come on. Maybe we will, I don't know, do something. I don't know what's going to happen. If Chris (laughs) won't still come on, then you can call Rich. And if Rich won't still come on, then you can um, get someone random off Twitter. And then if someone random off Twitter really won't come in, there's no other options than Muzza, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's the the last option. (laughs) No, I'm just making that joke because I, I talked about Muzzle one week and then he like he was in our group chat and he's like, Did did I hear my name? <laughs> you are the last option. We will bring on Floyd. We will bring on Amy. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I'm just joking. You know, um speaking of which, uh recently I heard uh Gregory Reck, who is part of our group, uh Maserati, he was on one show recently that was really good. I don't remember what show it was though. Um, uh, I think he was on All, all Things, Things Elite, Elite recently. Yeah, uh, Greg, I know you're listening. You did a really good job on that show, man. I never gave you props, but uh, yeah. You know what? Bring on Ricky. I don't even know if Ricky's watching New Japan, but just bring him on. Cause I, I do, I do want to bring on Ricky, but I want to bring him on to review something. No, just bring him on. Just, just our our fans need to know how great Ricky and Clive actually fucking are. Like, bring him on. Let's do this. Bring on Ricky and bring on Rance and the, and y'all three talk about New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> be, it'd be good shit. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so uh, next week, such good shit. <laughs> there will be uh, there will be a game plan by the time next week's show happens. Um, so yeah. Maybe me and Chris Samsa, maybe me and Rich, maybe me and somebody. We'll we'll figure it out. But yeah, Young Boy will be out, and yeah, we'll have something planned. So if Wh- whoever joins you needs to watch this Marafuji can uh, debit match as well. Right to uh, <laughs> give their take on the recommended match of the week. So yeah, so if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com/slash/donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. Also follow us at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You'll also find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy, and Josh is keeping it strong style. Email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Show Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland. Every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. On Fridays, we have Get In The Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturday, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr., Amy O., and Tiffany. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. The Golden Aces are better than the Omega Bucks. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.